All right, so Football Friday. Thank you for waking up with us. Broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios. It's the wake-up call. He's Kevin Bone. He's got all of his Notre Dame gear. I have no idea who the Irish play this oh, week. We need to look that up. Got Clemson. Well. Oh, yeah, the big do Clemson game. Do Jake and I have a bet from across the pond? Uh, I don't know. Jake's in Belgium doing whatever you do in Belgium. So we shall see. He's Mark Dykton. I'm Andy Sweeney hanging out with you for the next three hours here on The Fan. Obviously, today we continue uh, to do a little bit more memorializing of Bobby Knight. We'll get into that. And then, obviously, as well, a huge football Friday on the road are the Colts at the Carolina Panthers. And then uh, KB kind of ruined the surprise here. I know uh, it's okay, but the but the Pacers dropped off a little gift baggie here uh, for the for everyone. So I'm going to have to look at this. And if I'm not mistaken, there's a little bit of a there's a jersey in here. Right? The jerseys are going to be using tonight. Do I drop off? This that? is where I insert the joke of they drop off a functioning streaming app, or should no. I be just grateful for no, the jersey? Can, uh, I have no, I have absolutely no confidence it's going to work tonight. <laughs> I'm I'm already gathering European feeds, but oh, look, it's got no, our names on the awesome. background. Oh my yeah. God, this is nice. Yeah, no, thank you to the Pacers for this. The Pacers. Again, the city that? uniforms, the in-season tournament, the first that? game. Is tonight Tyrese Halliburton questionable? Uh, it'll be Cleveland in town. Obviously, that? no Donovan Mitchell last weekend when the Pacers won up in Cleveland. So, uh, I think an important five game homestand for Indiana. And as we look yes, ahead sir. to Monday, I know we won't necessarily have a build up to it. Uh, did you see Victor Webinyama last night? Yeah, I did. He looked pretty good. <laughs> did you see when he was hugging Kevin Durant after the game? How how small Kevin Durant looks <laughs> like. But, he- he shakes up with Kevin Durant after the game, and it was like a LeBron Durant, you know, insert, you know, I've gone against you for 48 minutes. This was a hell of a battle. The kid's 19 years old. He outscored the Suns by himself in the final four minutes of the game. 38 points. Just watch the shot making from the fourth quarter. If nothing else, just go back and watch the highlights in the fourth quarter. He had a spin move reverse with the left hand that I am, I've watched like four times already on this uh, Friday morning. I bring that up because Webinyama and the Spurs here on Monday, they do play Sunday afternoon. So what will the back-to-back back look like for him. I probably should look up if the Spurs have had one this year, but a five-game homestand for the Pacers, and thank you to them for that. Obviously, a ton to get to on this Friday morning. The Colts and the Panthers Sunday at 4.05, the first time all year long. They have not been in the old 1 o'clock time slot. It'll be Kevin Harlan and Trent Green coming up on Sunday afternoon, Shaquille Leonard with some very interesting comments yesterday in regards to his play, his role, the lack of turnover-prone plays. Uh, but I would be absolutely remiss if I didn't point out 8 o'clock this morning. And Mark Dykton, great work in setting this one up. Uh, he is the Hall of Famer, certainly one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time, and someone that is labeled Bob Knight as a key mentor in his coaching career, and that would be Roy Williams. He's going to join us at 8. And, you know, Andy, I I will raise my hand. I I assume you probably feel the same way, whether it's given, you know, my age, your age, or just the lack of, you know, we didn't play at IU, we didn't, you know, coach at IU. I I, I think it's hard to offer, like, um, the absolute best perspective you can on Bob Knight. And to be fair, again, Bob Knight has so many layers to him that and his story that, you know, maybe even the ex player can't totally encompass what he was all about. But from yesterday, having one of his best friends on and Bob Hamill, having two of his former players on in the nine o'clock hour and Jared Odell and Tom Geyer, and now today having Roy Williams on who 
Andy, he, he checks so many boxes. He checks competitor. He checks, um, again, mentee, in his words, to Bob Knight. Um, colleague, peer, uh, immense amount of respect for Bob. He certainly got the best of Bob Knight several times in some key NCAA tournament games in the early 90s. Uh, but really looking forward to that conversation because I think Roy Williams has a genuine appreciation and respect for everything that Bob Knight meant to him professionally. Uh, I would totally agree. And yesterday, and I know it will continue today, but yesterday the parade, whether it be locally here uh, or even nationally, the parade of former players and coaches and everything else that have continued to honor Bobby Knight and continued uh, to talk about Bobby Knight, how he affected them, the good, the bad, and everything in between. It's funny this morning, uh, me and Mark Dighton kind of came across the exact same thing. Uh, we're looking at, you know, you just type into Google Roy Williams and Bobby Knight, right? And you never know what you're going to find when you type into Google. Back in 2001, September of 2001, and we're going to have to at some point bring this up with Coach. Uh, he did, did Roy Williams did a commercial, one of those rock band commercials. Remember the fake guitars? Did, do people still play that? Do like college and high school kids Boy, there Did was a run play? there. Garage I, band had I, a hell of a run there. I know. I, I would imagine every you know high school or college kid uh, played the rock band, you know, the fake guitar and everything else. Uh, but you had Bobby Knight, Roy Williams, Coach K, and Rick Pitino. And Rick Pitino wasn't even dressed up like a vampire. Uh, they had to. They had to. They had to do it at night. Come on, that's a joke. I can't get a smile out of anyone this morning. I went right a over little my Rick head. Pitino, Halloween jokes. A little are Rick all, Pitino all, vampire joke. What are we doing we're all here? here now. It's all, <laughs> all over my head. Halloween's done. It was a, it was a parody of risky business. Yeah, and then Metallica yeah. is standing across them. They said, "What are you doing?" They said, "We're playing Guitar Hero." And then uh, James Headfield tells Bob Knight to put on some pants, Grandpa, and he throws the drum set. Yeah, so we have to bring that up again. That was September of 2011, if you want to go to YouTube or Google uh, to find that. But you're right. It's a big day today. We'll continue the Bobby Knight stuff, and then we got to get you ready. I mean, if the Colts are going to kind of steady things here, can they get to 5-5 five and five going into the bye week? That oh, has we got to talk about 4-5 and five before well, we get to 5-5. Well, that, that has been the conversation, and this is a tricky game because I think – you lose this game, there's going to be anger within the fan base because you know the the Browns right now would be a playoff team. The Saints are not a are not a total pushover uh, at all. Obviously, you see this season they have some weapons, but the Carolina Panthers are not a good team. There is no stat that says they're a good team. Their young quarterback has been shaky. If Anthony Richardson were playing this entire time, his rookie campaign, in my estimation, would be way better than Bryce than, than Bryce Young. You throw in the Frank. Reich stuff. Uh, I mean, to me, they're Adam Thielen and a bunch of guys. I mean, their running backs haven't been good. Miles Sanders is having uh, one of the worst seasons of his entire career. So, where are Colts fans on that? And then, you were there in the locker room. Shaq Leonard, uh, the lack of self-awareness yesterday in the locker room from Shaq Leonard. This is a do you want mock drafts to be in your bookmarked favorites on your internet browser game. It's exactly what it is. We are nearing that. Exactly what it is. It is nearing the uh, 2024 mock drafts, nearing the favorites on the internet browser. You lose this one, it starts to become maybe even the homepage uh, moving forward here the rest of the fall. Shaq Leonard, really, really interesting what he had to say yesterday, Andy. Uh, you know, Shaquille Leonard and Forrest Buckner, their days to meet the media are on Thursdays. So I go out there to the Colts complex and you know, honestly, I, I didn't really have a ton for Shaq. I have asked him some, we, I, we have asked him some form of the 
Do you feel like you're all the way back? What do you think about your role? I mean, that question has been relatively frequent and consistent through this season. I almost felt like it had gotten a bit redundant. And so I really just, honestly, I asked him early on just, hey, what are your thoughts on Frank Reich and seeing him on Sunday? And then, you know, he eventually got asked that, that sort of form of questioning. And credit him for the candid nature. Um, don't know if I agree with the comments. I guess I'll share my thoughts on them coming up at 7.30, but I certainly walked away from that and thought, well, I wasn't planning on writing on this Thursday afternoon, but I'm going to have to write after hearing that from Shaquille Leonard. Uh, And Andy, as we sit here on this Friday morning, it's probably one of the more interesting injury reports all season long. And some new guys popped up yesterday. Now, again, yesterday was the first practice of the week for the Colts. They did not go on Wednesday, just had a walkthrough. We know that Juju Brents is going to be out, not practicing all week long. We said yesterday was a huge day for Braden Smith. He did not go. If a guy has missed three straight games and we're at the Friday practice of that fourth week and he still hasn't practiced, he's probably not going to play. So now we're looking at no Braden Smith. Zaire Franklin missed yesterday. I know. Now remember, go back to Sunday. Zaire Franklin in and out, literally in the locker room at one point. Um, He still played and finished that game. He actually ended up not missing a ton of snaps just based off how the flow of the game went. And, you know, he was in the locker room for a lot of offensive Colts plays. Um, But this is a guy that, (laughs) as I handed out earlier this week, he's my team MVP through the first eight games. Andy, he's never missed a game in his NFL career. Six years, never missed one game. Uh, He's been at practice. It's a knee injury. You know, there's certainly a slight little limp to him. Does he give it a go on Sunday? And then yesterday, you had two new additions to the injury report. They are two rookies, and in their own very different ways, they are vital parts to your operation right now. One would be Josh Downs, limited with a knee injury yesterday, and then Blake Freeland, who at 6'8 and 300 pounds, when a guy of that stature has a back injury, you certainly notice it. Uh, He had a pad kind of on his lower back area. And uh, he did not practice. Obviously, Freeland has been the guy for Braden Smith this season when Smith has been out. So you look at all five of those names, Andy. They all are very important in their own, again, very individual ways, some short-term, some long-term. It's kind of wild to look at three rookies on the list in Brents and Downs and Freeland and be like, damn, you uh, don't even talk long-term. Like They're important for Sunday afternoon against Carolina. So that is another path that we will go down here on the way yeah let me ask you this did the downs thing where did that come from because i did not see that on sunday and then you know monday they're not doing much tuesday they're off and wednesday's a walkthrough well again on wednesday downs and freeland were not on that injury report right so something so this is more of like injury report history for those that have covered the nfl Andy, when you see guys that don't show up on the injury report on a wednesday and then thursday they appear as limited there are several times throughout my whatever history covering the Colts where that means that guy got hurt in practice on Thursday. Right. I remember Julian Blackman a few years ago limited with an Achilles injury after after practicing full on Wednesday and wasn't even on the injury report. That means he tore his Achilles right. on Thursday in practice. So it could mean a variety of things with downs. It could mean something to the effect of he just woke up Thursday morning, you know, feeling a little bit in the knee, and the Colts said, all right, instead of 50 reps today in practice, you know, 50 is a big number, instead of 30 reps, you do 18 reps, something like that. Or it could mean he literally suffered an injury at some point in practice, therefore he was limited, and now we'll get more clarity on that today. So, uh, again, a, a big Friday, which I know we've said a couple of times here through the first half of the season, but this one probably stands out to me 
more than any other. Again, a five-game homestand for the Pacers to get underway. Tonight, it will be Cleveland and Charlotte, this back-to-back Friday, Saturday, before Webb and Yama and the Spurs on Monday. And also, I hope we have time to get to this at some point today. But And I say this in all seriousness, and I know a lot of people look at the matchup Saturday night and be like, who cares? Right. Ryan Walters, yes. Purdue football head coach, had some very public and honest comments about Michigan and their sign-stealing scandal. 32.5-point underdog Ryan Walters bunch. Again, I hope when we do get to that, we will play the audio. We can get away from the laughing matter of a five-score underdog and focus a little bit more on we're kind of waiting for coaches to be a little bit more public about this. And like, I, I maybe I've just missed it, but I have not seen too many, specifically Big Ten coaches, that have addressed this in a public manner like Ryan Walters did last night on his radio show. Well, you know, yeah, we do have the sound, and it's good sound, and it is and it is interesting. Now, you did have yesterday, uh, there was some sort in the last couple of days, I think Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic reported that, you know, coaches and administrators on the Big Ten had a big call, you know, or maybe they had a Zooms uh, or Teams or whatever it may be. But these and, are all, and, like, behind-the-scenes yeah, exactly, reports. Exactly. You'll get a lot of times, like, CBS Sports will do the anonymous coaches. Right. You know, what do they say about a team, whether it be college basketball, college football, etc. I'm with you on this. It is rare that a coach puts his name on something. And will Big Ten coaches who are furious, who can also use this as an excuse, who also probably, not probably, don't like Jim Harbaugh, uh, can kind of say, hey, you need to do something now. The interesting thing about punishing Michigan is Michigan going to the college football playoff brings more money to those particular institutions, right? So if you're a Notre Dame fan, and Notre Dame is in the Big Ten. Now, KB, we know you love your independence, okay? I mean, I, I mean, you almost get to, left the studio you, when you, you said you, that. You comment. get to flirt with the ACC, okay? You get to do friends with benefits, oh, flirt with and the steal ACC. all the girls with how much Notre Dame's dominated. Yes, 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 friends with benefits, if you will, with the ACC. But if you were in the Big Ten um, and there's money at stake here, hey, Michigan, uh, you know, Michigan going to the college football playoff, potentially winning the national title financially is better for the conference. That's why I think everything is after the season. Uh, I, I I don't believe the, the doors are going to close on Harbaugh during the season, but if coaches like Walters stepped up and talked, interesting if that would happen. I don't think it will, uh, but Harbaugh definitely has seen the doors close around him. There's no doubt about it. He is Andy Sweeney. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton on the ones and twos. Again, Hall of Famer Roy Williams joining us at 8 o'clock to share his thoughts on what Bob Knight meant to him throughout his illustrious career. Cannot wait for that conversation. Our usual Friday chats. Greg Rakestraw, 8.30, sectional final night here for the high school football. Should be a nice weather night, I think, based off what we've had this week. And voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, talking with Matt yesterday. He has a awesome Bob Knight basketball camp story. Oh, I'm sure. To share coming up sure. at 9 o'clock. So looking forward to that one from Matt Taylor. Thank you for spending your Friday morning with us. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. 
All right, morning check down. Reminder coming up at 8 o'clock. Roy Williams, Hall of Fame basketball coach, going to join us. Uh, we'll talk some Bobby Knight with him, obviously, all day yesterday into today and this weekend and next week. Uh, we'll be talking about Bobby Knight passing away yesterday at 83 years old. Mike Woodson, head coach at Indiana, yesterday met with the media. He found out his emotions upon finding out his mentor passed away. Well, I just had finished practicing. Um, we had a long practice yesterday, and then when I got off the floor, um, my trainer, Tim Garl, came and told me he had passed away. And it's just a tremendous loss, man. I mean, you know, I've spent 46 years of my life with the guy who basically shaped my career as a player and as a coach. And as a man, and he's going to be missed, man. I mean, when you think about all the things he's done here at Indiana, make no mistake about it, Indiana basketball will always be Bob Knight. A couple notes from the IU Athletic Department as well. Uh, RMK patches will be worn by um, the men's and women's team all season long. Uh, You'll see the football team also put those on their helmets here to end the season. Uh, And then this from IU Athletics yesterday. uh, Out of respect for the family's wishes and desire for privacy, no public memorials planned by IU Athletics or the university. Uh, That statement was released yesterday. And Roy Williams, the Hall of Famer, going to join us here coming up at 8 o'clock. All right, last night in Thursday Night Football, Andy, I'll admit, at about halftime, I had about a half dozen Colts fans reach out and say, (laughs) the Colts drafted the wrong quarterback. That was going to be, if he threw three touchdowns, that was going to be my lead today was, so, what about Will Levis, huh? Now, if you watch the end, uh, there were some shaky moments, but there were certainly some bright moments from Will Levis as well last night, but he did not get the win on Thursday Night Football in a very Steelers-like win. They just kind of slug their way, make a couple of plays offensively. That is enough. 20-16. to 16, They are now 5-3 and three on the year. The AFC North's getting three playoff teams in, right? Yeah, I just... Uh, the, the, the damn Steelers, man. You knew they were going to win this game. This is what they do 16, annually. 2017. Me and Mark were talking about it. No, you're going to look up, and if you look at their schedule, they're 5-3. and three. If you look at their schedule, there's no reason to believe that you can't slot them in uh, at, at at about nine wins. I mean, Packers coming up, Browns coming up, Cardinals coming up, Patriots. Uh, you mentioned the Colts game. I mean, they're going to be walking into Lucas Oil. As for Will Levis, uh, I thought in the first two weeks, because I watched every college snap of this guy's career, okay? I thought you saw the Will Levis. You saw two weeks ago the big arm, the play that he can make. Go back, throw the ball as deep as he can. That is what he is so good at, okay? With the strong arm. And then I thought you saw some of the good where he looked the part last night, and then the bad when you have a chance. He throws the interception at the end, and I thought he held on to the ball too long, uh, and, and that's something he did a lot at Kentucky. I thought he held on to the ball too long, created some sacks there in the second half, but I don't know, through two starts, I, I mean, it's better than watching the bones of Ryan Tannehill. Malik Willis can't play at the NFL level, so, I mean, I think you just roll with him the rest of the way, don't you? How about the, the Titans? How about the near interception by Darius Rush to ice that last night? Speaking of Colts cornerback 
issues in that one. We'll get to the Colts. We'll get to Shaq Leonard's uh, very interesting comments from yesterday. The injury report, though, not ideal heading into the final practice of the week. The guys that did not practice yesterday, Juju Brents, Braden Smith, Zaire Franklin, and Blake Freeland. Uh, and Josh Downs was limited with a knee Injury, So we'll continue to watch that today. Again, obviously notable names, not only in the short term, but the long term. We know Juju Brent is not going to play. We assume that Braden Smith won't play. Uh, again, why he wasn't put on injured reserve, I think that's probably a fair question to ask Shane Steichen later today. And Andy, if it's no Zaire Franklin, all of a sudden Shaq Leonard's on the field for every snap. And based off his comments yesterday, uh, he doesn't seem too happy with his role with the Colts. We're going to play some audio coming up on the other side. Yeah, I mean, he'll get his opportunity. I mean, he played, I thought he played a little bit more against the Saints. I mean, those were his best numbers of the year. Yeah, 11 was, tackles. Yeah, mm-hmm. was Sunday against New Orleans, but uh, he's going to have to put his, you know, what is it, his money where his mouth is uh, on Sunday if he has to play quite a bit. A Colts a three-point favorite coming up on Sunday. Tonight, again, it'll be a back-to-back for the Pacers this weekend. Cleveland and Charlotte, 2-2 two and two on the year. The injury report, Tyrese Halliburton is still questionable after he did not play against Boston, uh, along with Jalen Smith. Benedict Matherin is off that injury report. Uh, you're going to see city uniforms tonight from the Pacers. So you're going to see a new court in-season tournament as well. Uh, most importantly, I think more than anything, uh, you lose by 51. It's important to take advantage of this homestand coming up. Uh, Cleveland, Charlotte, San Antonio, Utah. I think the fifth is maybe Milwaukee. Um, so certainly kind of ends of the spectrum games. Some very winnable games in that stretch, uh, but then also some important ones from a standing standpoint if you look at Cleveland or even Milwaukee as well. Very curious to see how Indiana responds tonight and obviously if Halliburton is able to give it a go. Are, are you a you need to split this weekend? Is that how you view this weekend? If Cleveland plays all of their guys, which I assume they will. Yeah, I know Garland and, J- and Jared Allen are both questionable. I, I would say three and two is the minimum okay. for this homestand. You okay. know, if I could stretch it into next week. Uh, but yeah, three and two, four and one is what you need. And, and more than anything, it's just you know, Rick Carlisle has told us pretty much every Tuesday for the last couple of weeks, take advantage of this early start. I mean, you got seven of your first nine at home. Uh, you're two and two so far on the season. Uh, it's important to kind of get ahead of things before the schedule starts to toughen. But yeah, certainly if you look at it, the harder team you play tonight in the back-to-back based off Charlotte. Uh, but I think in an inner, you know, kind of an important November stretch here coming up for the Pacers. Uh, college football for this weekend. Probably last thing we can point out. Again, Indiana, Wisconsin. That's a noon kick tomorrow from Bloomington, Notre Dame, and Clemson. Also at noon, that is down there in Clemson. And Purdue in Michigan Saturday night in the big house. Again, we'll play that Ryan Walters audio coming up a little bit later. He did not hold back in his comments about Michigan and them being at multiple games involving Purdue And he did so in which venue? Come on, KB, which venue? God bless college radio shows. Yes, yes. Have them never stop. Whoever stops a college radio show, shame on you. you Shame on you. Uh, screw the play-by-play voice and the coach going back and forth for half hour. Just go calls. Fan calls for 60 minutes. Tyler from Spartanburg. You know, who was our IU caller that ended up getting the offensive coordinator fired? Oh, was that George man. from Ellettsville? Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. Something like that. That was right that. when I started. I feel like we talked about that. The, the next week kids he got going fired. On Dabo and everything yeah, it's like fantastic. that. Why are you making an $11.5 million? That's beautiful. <laughs> Roy Williams at 8 o'clock on the other side. Shaquille Leonard, I would say, did not really hold back yesterday in explaining what has been the lack of of splash plays or why he has had the lack of splash plays. We'll play that audio on the other side. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. 
Reminder, coming up in about 25 minutes, Hall of Fame coach Roy Williams going to join the program. Obviously, we'll talk some Bobby Knight with him. Greg Rakestraw at 8.30. Matt Taylor coming up at 9 o'clock. Our Colts picks and much more. Uh, before we dive into this Shaq Leonard uh, conversation, sound, etc. So yesterday, you know, I'm reading over the last 24 hours or so, you know, everything you can, all the different perspectives and everything else about Bobby Knight. Uh, to put you on the spot, KB, did you happen to read the Kravitz one? At all? I did not. No. Well, just Kravis told the story uh, of of him being a a young reporter there in Bloomington. Okay, uh-huh. something you have been in your time, a young reporter. Uh, and at that time, you know the name Dan Barrio. Uh, I don't know Minneapolis. He's worked in a bunch of different places. Uh, so him and Kravitz got to interview Bobby Knight, and Bobby Knight just had come out of the shower. It was butt ass naked. Oh boy. <laughs> And sat in a chair and did the entire interview completely naked. Oh, this is uh, awkward. Uh, and as Kravitz said, scratching himself. Uh, sure. Is how, well, is if you got an itch, you might as well take care of it. How about, how about that for an intimidation tactic? Something you can't also, say Tom Crean ever did that to me as a student <laughs> I reporter. I was about to say. I doubt Micah Shrewsbury is doing that, or no, Matt Painter no. did that when he took over. Sadly, or, I'm the uh, one doing it to Micah Shrewsbury, well, probably. Uh, that's, that's a fantastic As wrong point. as that sounds. Uh, so, yeah, he's like, I think he was trying to intimidate me. I'm like, that's one way to do it, uh, uh, is to be uh, butt naked during an interview. So I there can't you wait go. for Roy Williams to join us coming up at 8 o'clock, so really looking forward to that conversation. We'll get into some Colts chatter here. I'm getting to kind of set the scene from yesterday. Uh, Shaquille Leonard talks to media every Thursday. Him and DeForest Buckner, That's those are kind of their days to talk. You know, Wednesdays, typically. You know, Gardner Minshew and Zaire Franklin, Jonathan Taylor, um, some of those types of players. Um, and, and, you know, for the most part, I think a pretty consistent question with Leonard all year long has been, okay, where are you at? Compared to how you view yourself in years past, you know, do you see your old self on film? Obviously, his playing time has not been what he is used to throughout really the first four years of his career. And he's played every snap. They don't take him off the field. And if they do, it's one or two snaps a game. So he's not used to the scaled back role. If you watch games, Andy, he, he'll make a tackle on second down and he'll just sprint off the field. Like he knows he's not part of the third down role, third down package. Um, And I think you can kind of boil it down to this. We're eight straight games without Leonard having an interception, a forced fumble, or a fumble recovery. It's the longest stretch of his career. It's so anti the Shaquille Leonard that we are used to. We are used to the playmaking, the splash plays, the turnovers. If you want to take it a step further, he's only got two tackles for loss in the last eight games. So again, even kind of the just plays behind the line of scrimmage, you haven't seen. So you could boil it down to probably an A or a B answer. An A would say two back surgeries in a four-month span. Uh, last offseason, June and November, I guess five-month span. Uh, that's contributing to you know him not being his normal self. Or the B answer would be uh, his role is different in Gus Bradley's defense. Because again, Matt Eberflus left after the 2021 season. Gus Bradley entered. Um, and you know it's a little bit of a different whatever duties, responsibilities, role that's being asked of Shaq Leonard. Um, Shaq was pretty candid yesterday on several occasions and explaining what he thinks the reason is for the lack of splash plays. Here is Shaquille Leonard yesterday on that. 
Me personally, I think so. I mean, for myself, but I don't think they, you know, think that. I think it's probably going to be similar, maybe maybe even worse. So I'm just going to go out and just play as many plays as I, I can play and then, you know, just go from there. Something where you feel like you can prove some things to them out there on the field this month? Um, I just feel like each each week I prove who I am. I feel like the way that I play the game was getting better and better each year, each week. But, you know, they say I don't make enough splash plays. So I guess I'll still be watching for a little bit. Do you know, like, uh, yeah, I kind of, I kind of know a little bit. Uh, they'll tell me um, if I'm gonna split reps with EJ on first and second. I know I'm not in on third down, so kind of know exactly what it is. You know, if I like it, uh, like it or not, it is what it is. Now he also KB had uh, about the defensive, uh, yeah, the the other ones about his in the scheme and how he doesn't feel like he's part of the scheme. Do we have that? You that? Yeah, we have that, that one as well. Play Go that ahead. Too, Mark. You know, just different this year. You know, I'm either hammering the ball back to Zaire or spilling it to the safety. I'm not as free as I once was in defense before. So it's kind of hard to see those splash plays because, you know, like I said, I'm either hammering the ball back to Z or spilling it to the safety. I'm not the free guy. I don't blitz. So it's kind of tough to make splash plays when, you know, you're, you just got to do your job. And then on third down, you're sitting on the sideline, you know, being a cheerleader. So, you know, that's the only difference. So I just got to go out and continue to just be the best version of myself, um, play with great technique, play with great effort, and then just, you know, when the plays come, just do my job and uh, just hopefully get off the field. You go back to that first clip, Mark, when he says it might get worse. Could you play that again? And this is in reference to his current role, which again, his current role has been about 70-ish percent of the snaps, which is a far cry from what he used to be playing, and then they take him off the field on third down. And the question was in reference to, Gus Bradley said a few weeks ago that in November, that's when we'll see the real Shaquille Leonard. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but you know, Gus is like, you know, I'm still waiting. No, that was about it. Hey, and, no, and November, he's going to be the guy that we're used to seeing. Right. Yeah, that and, was a, that was the context. And so that was asked to Shaq, and Shaq's response, and Mark, go ahead and play that, that first bit of that clip. Me personally, I think so. I mean, for myself, but I don't think they, you know, think that. I think it's probably going to be similar, maybe, maybe even worse. So, so right there, it's going to be similar. That's him in reference to the role, or worse. I mean, he he thinks the role could shrink even more. Um, again, very candid. And if you're going to put an A or B answer, is it the injury or is it the role? He's pointing to the role. I mean, it's pretty clear. He feels like his usage in Gus Bradley's defense is not what it was in Matt Eberflus's defense. Um, I've got some thoughts. Andy, what were your takeaways from Well, that? I, I mean, my, my, listen, my takeaway was, does he think, there's a number of them. Number one, does he think by, by complaining openly, like other players have complained openly, that he's going to get more snaps? I mean, I, I don't know. Michael Pittman said, I, I want to be you know, a bigger part of the offense, and they came out and they forced the ball to him the next game. I, I think that was kind of one of my initial thoughts. And then the second thing, and this is probably an overriding one, is, man, I'm still phlegming. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to this. Yeah, I thought Listen to this phlegm. I thought you were down for the count there. I just can't. Get, I cannot shake the damn phlegm. I came I out of good, nowhere. But I feel good today. That's the thing. I actually feel like a human being for the first time. Let me clear out here. All right, there we go. To me, the biggest problem here is this is the unfortunate side of the business is what Shaq Leonard is is facing right now. Don't you agree that they have the ability to go young and cheap and whether they are retooling or rebuilding a guy, you know, with his 
injury history with a new regime in town isn't going to want to keep his contract when they can get out of his contract at the end of the year. Isn't that something that we've talked about? And I feel for Shaq Leonard going through especially the back issues that he's went through. I mean, this is a guy, and you know this, in 2001 played 16 games. And then, you know, I mean, 2000, you know, 2022 played three games, and this year has has been limited in his role. His role has went down. It's the unfortunate part of the business. The Colts have been able to go younger. They've been able to go cheaper, and there's no doubt they are rebuilding in some sort of way, and his massive contract is just not going to be something that they're going to keep. We're looking at the final couple months of Shaq Leonard being an Indianapolis Colt. I, I just see, I see no other way around it, and I don't know if him complaining publicly is going to matter at all. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, obviously, selfishly, I, I appreciate candid comments. I, I, I'd rather him be honest with us than you know hide behind those comments. I know, you know certainly some people would probably disagree with that. Um, I I would disagree with his comments though. Um, I look at it and think I see more of. I don't see the pop. I don't see the around the ball enough. And you know he, he brings up I'm off the field on third down. I mean, if you look at his career though, Andy, the interceptions, the fumbles. The majority of those did not come on third down. I mean, he made big-time plays on first down, second down. Um, it wasn't just, hey, I'm out here in obvious passing situations, and that's when you know, you're know you going to make all those turnover-worthy plays. I mean, certainly some of those plays are more uh, easier to get to, I guess, on third down. But he's made plenty of plays on first and second in his career. Um, the harsh reality is this. It's the back and the nerve issue. I just don't see the same player. And I think I've always been curious with Leonard. You know, Andy, he plays at 215 pounds soaking wet. That is obviously small for a linebacker. Now, linebackers, I think, have trended towards a little bit smaller in today's NFL. But when the physical limitations start to arise, when the injuries start to get there, and his injury situation is much different than anybody else. I mean, the guy next to him in Zaire Franklin never missed a game in his NFL career. Shaq Leonard, two back surgeries in June and November. It's not like he had these back surgeries last year in January and April where he still had ramp-up periods. We're talking June, and then obviously he was shut down for the season once Jeff Saturday looked at him to practice and said, dude, you got to get this taken care of. And I just don't see the same type of player, and that's the harsh reality, and the domino effect is what you just brought up. For a guy making $20 million, uh, if you're the Colts, you have to do something at the end of the year based off the guy that we've seen so far. So, I, is his role slightly different in Gus Bradley's scheme? Sure. Is it to the point where that is leading to eight straight games of no splash plays when he's such an extinctual player? I can't go fully there. And at the end of the day, it comes down to this. What's the return on investment? And you're investing an incredibly high amount of money in him. And if you aren't getting that return, you either have to restructure like no other or you've got to part ways at the end of the year. Based off the guy we've seen so far, he'll obviously have a back half of this you know season to try and change that and show that it is more rust. And, and again, he's not saying rust. He made that very clear yesterday. He feels like physically he looks like the guy that was seen on film two years ago. He points to role more than rust in terms of why 
he has not had the amount of splash plays that he typically has. I mean, do you view him as delusional here, or has, or is he, hey, I've always been this great player. I have been this great player in this uniform. I still have it in me, even though I, I look at him and say, brother, you don't have yeah, it. it. You, you know, just don't. He pointed to, there were moments on Sunday where him and Alvin Kamara were step-and-step in man coverage. When I see the tackles, though, Andy, when I see the impactful plays, or him just generally around the ball... I don't see them around the line of scrimmage. I don't see the the potential turnovers. You know, like EJ Speed, if I look at kind of a per-snap basis, I feel like he's around the ball making turnover-worthy plays at a much higher rate than Leonard. And again, you know, when Leonard goes off the field, Speed comes on the field. Speed's playing the role that Leonard obviously exits. Um, so I, I, I just can't go there with him. And, you know, $20 million is a rather insane price to pay a linebacker. But if you're going to pay a linebacker that money, you've got to be at the historic turnover pace that he was at through the first four years of his career. And that's the harsh reality of it. Do I think there's been a little bit better moments from him in recent weeks? Yes. But it still doesn't sniff what you need to be having out of a $20 million linebacker. Now, if uh, if for some reason there are injuries and uh, some guys don't play up there for the line, uh, linebackers and Shaq Leonard gets in the game and he plays well, he's going to have somebody clip this segment and he's oh. going to make it... <laughs> going to make it into some sort of Andy, YouTube I, short or something like that. I mean, I was glad he <laughs> said something to that answer four or five times yesterday because he's the king of social media oh, going out there oh, yeah. and liking tweet. Now, it looks like based off of social media, he's taking a little bit of a break from it. Probably a good idea. But I, I was glad that we followed up with so many questions because it's like, I don't want to misconstrue what you're trying to say here. Sure. Like you aren't, you know, I don't want to walk away and be like, I'm inferring this. I thought his direct quotes and I've got an article up on 1075thefan.com that lays out all the quotes. Uh, I thought they were pretty obvious. Again, Roy Williams going to join us here in about 10 minutes. Do want to get to the Pacers for tonight, and that is not only the in-season tournament, but the city uniforms that they so graciously provided. Oh, these are fantastic. Andy Sweeney and I were oh, showing these goodness. on the YouTube chat right now, and to talk more about that, Danny Lopez, who you've heard on these airways before, joins us now. Danny, where you are showing, first off, thank you for these uniforms. Thank you for the time. Uh, give us a little background on what I think of all your city uniforms you guys have done in recent years. I think these are the coolest ones. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, these are definitely different, uh, edgier. Um, you know, obviously, every time we do these city editions, as you guys know, it generates a ton of discussion and debate and conversation, which is part of the point. Um, but on these, I think people are going to love them. I mean, it's just it's just different. They pop. You know, look, the basketball stories kind of tell themselves. That's the reality, right? The, 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 the game and the players, they tell the basketball stories. What we try to do with these city editions is capture the spirit of the city and the state, tell the stories of what we've got going on here, which we frankly don't do uh, as a city or a state well enough uh, to talk about all the great things we've got going on here. And, and this, I think, does it. it you know, we, it, this tells the story of the art scene that we've got here, of the food, the culinary scene that we've got here. The exciting young talent, obviously the exciting young talent on the court, but uh, but this was a fun one, and it was also really cool because we've got an internal team led by Rennick Bowman who who created these, who worked with Nike and created these, so it was it was created with some internal talent, which is a lot of fun too. So we're excited about these. We're excited about the court. We think fans are going to love them, and, and we're excited to show them off. Again, that'll be tonight. Pacers and Cavs, a five game homestand for the Pacers starts. Tonight, it'll be a Charlotte coming up the back-to-back on Saturday. Danny, I would be remiss while we have you if I didn't ask about, I would say, probably the biggest storyline. Unfortunately, it's off the floor with the Pacers right now, and that is the uh, 
uh, I would say, ineptness of Valley Sports and the difficulty that so many people have had in streaming their app. I understand the question probably goes maybe a a, a rung above you, but while we have someone from the Pacers, I will ask uh, any sort of comment on Valley Sports and the inability for so many people streaming that to not be able to watch the Pacers. Yeah, and I, well, first of all, I'd say I'd, I'd be a little careful because really we're talking about Bally Plus, right? The streaming aspect of it. The broadcast has been solid as always, but uh, you know, look, it's it's frustrating. It sucks. We, we you know, as as you guys know, we um, we provided a Bally Plus subscription to to all the fans uh, who bought tickets, any package, uh, full season, uh, half season, quarter season packages. We provided those free because we want people to be able to catch the games, and we know these are. Sort of tricky. It's a tricky situation right now, uh, and so for fans not to be able to catch catch the games, it's frustrating. Uh, it's frustrating for us, and it's obviously frustrating for the fans. We've been having good conversations with Valley. They they understand the frustration, and they're they said they're working with their carrier to fix it. It's a carrier issue, and so hopefully we get this thing fixed here so that fans can get back to watching the games. Is there any word on if tonight it'll be good to go? I thought last night there were some people around the league, whether it was NHL or NBA, uh, that said it was not fixed yet. Yeah, we've been told it's going to be good to go, and and there's not going to be issues. That's what we've been told. So we're like I said, we're in constant contact, you know, contact with them. Look, if uh, you know, it, there's fan, fans should be frustrated. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So we we get it. We've been fielding those those calls. Obviously, we're the ones sure. that that, uh, that deal with that, and we totally get it. Um, and and we're as frustrated as anyone. So we're going to get it fixed, and fans can get back to watching the game. It'll be the city uniform site in-season tournament debut as well. A five-game homestand. Victor Webanyama, by the way, on Monday night as well. Pacers and Cavs tonight at 7 o'clock. Danny, thanks so much. Appreciate it, Danny. Yes. Thank you, guys. Take Danny care. Lopez, Payless Liquors Hotline. When we come back, the Hall of Famer, Roy Williams, give his thoughts on the legendary career of Bob Knight. It's going to happen, folks. Bob Knight is about to come out on the Assembly Hall floor. A historic day here at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my I brought up when I talked to them before the season started about their abilities to go through the season undefeated and you're just wasting something here that uh, that you'll remember forever. If you guys want to make history, if you want to be the one of the greatest teams of all time, you got 20 minutes to prove it. The basket is good and Indiana is the national champion. Look at here, look at here. Bobby Knight just threw his chair. We're across the free throw lane. And I think uh, Fred Unbelievable. He picked up another tee. You can talk about all the motivational speeches and phrases and devices in the world, but the greatest motivator of all is your ass on the bench. Coach Bob Knight means so much to Indiana basketball. He took a chance on a kid out of Indianapolis. There's nothing that I think more of during my life than having had the opportunity to coach young boys, teach them how to be men, and do it here. And I don't know how Steve feels about it, but it just and you don't have to bleep one single word of this. 
I've always really enjoyed the fans, and and uh, I, I always will. You know, the, on, on my dying day, I will think about how great the fans at Indiana were. Great stuff there as we continue to memorialize the great Bobby Knight passing away at the age of 83. Uh, and let's jump on right back on to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Hall of Fame coach Roy Williams going to help us continue to remember Bobby Knight here on the fan on this Friday. Coach, a very good morning. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. Hope you guys are. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you carving out a few minutes for us. I guess let's start here. The emotion when you found out a couple days ago Coach Knight uh, had passed away, and then when you think of your relationship with him, what immediately comes to mind? Well, it was a sad moment. There's no question about that. And uh, my relationship with Coach Knight was uh, one of a friend, but it was also he was one of my mentors. There's no question that uh, Coach Dean Smith was the greatest mentor I had and my high school coach, Buddy Baldwin, was very involved in that as well. But uh, as a young coach, watching what Indiana did and what Coach Knight did, it was something that I appreciated and something that I admired. And then when I became an assistant at North Carolina, Coach Knight's relationship with Coach Dean Smith was a great one, and uh, I learned even more. Uh, And then when I became the head coach at Kansas in uh, 1989, I even called him and uh, asked if I could come up and uh, watch practice. And so I flew up there and spent the afternoon a little while with him and then watched him practice. And then we sat in the locker room, just the two of us, and uh, uh, talked for a few hours. And uh, that really uh, put it at a different level. And uh, during our our times together, needless to say, I watched his practice, talked basketball with him. I played golf with him. Uh, I watched baseball games. Uh, I shouldn't say games, but I mean – Pittsburgh, we're both doing a clinic, and uh, uh, I'm sitting up in the room and uh, watching a Major League Baseball game. I just ordered room service, and all of a sudden, bang, bang, bang. Oh, somebody's going to knock my door down, and I went to the door, and he said, what the heck are you doing, boy? I said, I'm watching a baseball game. Come on in here and sit down. Let's watch this game. And we sat down and watched the baseball game. I called room service and doubled the order so he'd have something to eat, too, and uh we competed uh, quite a bit. When I was at Kansas, we had five or six big-time games against Indiana. And uh, and so and then he went to Texas Tech, and we were in the same league. So it was a, a relationship that I admired a great deal. I was just proud of it a great deal. And uh, he treated me like I was one of his own guys. Gosh, to be a caddy in that group of you and Bob Knight on the golf course, I would have paid a lot of money uh, to be that. Coach, thank you for the time this morning. Again, Roy Williams joining us here, the Hall of Famer. Uh, let's go back to you and, and looking at you know Coach Knight as a mentor. What was it about, whether it was uh, how he you know, ran his program, how he coached his team, that had you from afar v- viewing him in that light? Well, I just loved the way they guarded people, and I loved the way that they – played a, quote, freelance passing game kind of uh, uh, offense. And so I admired that part. And so I started studying it more. And, oh, gosh, I guess in 19... 
1979, I guess it was, uh, um, my first year as an assistant coach at, uh, uh, no, no, excuse me, 78, 79, at uh, North Carolina. Uh, we decided, uh, I made a stupid remark. I told Coach Dean Smith, I said, I think we should have a organized preseason conditioning program. And he did like all great leaders did. He said, okay, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> I learned something right there, but uh I called Kentucky and I called Indiana and a couple of other places and saw what they did and made up our own. And, and I think I copied more of uh, what Indiana's conditioning program was. And so then I got involved in it a little bit more and uh, just admired what they did on the court. You know, I mean, uh, uh, just uh, uh, this unselfishness and the movement of the basketball and then how they did guard you and try to take you out of what you were doing. So, but he was so responsive, and uh, even when we competed, and uh, I'll never forget in, uh, uh, gosh, I guess this was the 93 uh, NCAA tournament. Well, first of all, the 91 NCAA tournament, we uh, played in the round of 16, and it, uh, I was coaching at Kansas, as I said, and we got off to a great start. And all of a sudden, the referee stopped the game, and there was a bolt coming out of the floor in the Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, 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 they stopped the game, and uh, uh, John McClockerty was one of the officials that called us out on the court. And uh, and you could see this big bolt was just sticking up a full inch out of the court. It's just something that jarred it loose, and so they had to get the crew out there to – get it put back down and that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, Coach Knight said, can we start the blankety-blank game over again since you guys screwed this up? And he looked at me and I said, Coach, I'd rather keep it going where it is because we're ahead like 24 to 6. And, but uh, <clears throat> so – People would say, you know, his detractors would say, well, if he, if you beat him, he's not going to like you. Well, we, we had a winning record against Coach Knight, and he still treated me like I was one of his. And so that sharing of his knowledge is uh, – John Thompson one time said about Coach Dean Smith that – what he did is he gave me his greatest gift. He shared his knowledge. Well, that's what Coach Knight did with me. And uh, even to the extent of some crazy things, uh, he comes to Lawrence when uh, he's his last year at Indiana and we play. And uh, so the night before, I went over to the hotel and took him some brownies uh, from my wife. And so two or three years later, you know, he's coaching at Texas Tech and now he's in our league and he comes in and they didn't get there till really late. And so uh, uh, the next night we're getting ready to play the game. And, you know, he came out very late uh, in the pregame, just right before the game started. And so I was down on the end of the court waiting on him. And so we, he said hello and hugged me, and he said, where's Wanda? <laughs> and I said, Coach, she's right down here. She sits on the tent throw up behind our bench. And so he walks down there, and, and this is, you know, guys, this is 15 seconds before the game starts. And press rows right there, the scores table's right there, and he looked up at Wanda and yelled, hey, where's my blankety-blank brownies? <laughs> <laughs> That's and great. everybody just cracked up. So he was – a guy that I enjoyed uh, uh, when he did get in the league, we'd go to the conference meetings and we would uh, we'd be out playing golf one time at Colorado Springs. And I said, Coach, we can play nine more and still get to the meeting when we have to be there because otherwise we're just going to stand around and talk. And he said, let's play nine more. So 
so it was just the two of us. We played nine more holes, and he said, I said, we got plenty of time now. He said, why don't we play nine more and skip the whole blessed thing? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but his sharing of the knowledge is the greatest thing you can do to someone, and he did that, and he knew that I liked uh, baseball. Uh, enjoyed playing golf perhaps more than he did. I made him sign a, uh, a big bet that he lost, and I made him sign the, the bill, and he wrote on it the next blanket at length time we're going to play tennis. And uh, <laughs> So he was just a guy that I really enjoyed and learned a great deal from and was very appreciative of what he did for me. He's Roy Williams. He's sharing plenty of stories, and we're very grateful for his time here on this Friday morning about Bob Knight and, and the legendary career and the relationship that he had, uh, certainly on the court and off the court as well with him. Coach, is the story true that at one point you almost joined the Indiana staff with Coach Knight? It's, it's really a funny thing, especially to Coach Knight, but uh you know, in the early 80s, particularly, if any athletic director needed a basketball coach, they talked to either Coach Smith or Coach Knight before they made a decision. And so I'd been as the part-time assistant, which was full-time job, part-time pay is what it was. But, uh, I mean, people don't believe this, but my first year in North Carolina, I made $2,700 <laughs> for the whole year. So I was I sold calendars. I drove copies of TV shows. I mean, I just did everything like that. So the financial part of it wasn't very good, but uh, it's like my third year, I guess it was. And uh, uh, Coach Smith came in and said, I just got off the phone with Bob, and I think, you know, and I might miss the year or something like that, but I think Joe B. Wright was leaving Indiana. And uh, so he said, I just got off the phone with Bob, and he and I talked because Joe B. Wright's leaving, and you know, I do have a lot of talk. I talk to a lot of athletic directors about job, and Bob does also. If you're worried about the finances, and, uh, you know, he would take you as an assistant coach but with the two of us, you would have a chance, a lot better chance to get a head coaching job. And he says, if you're going to be patient, he said, I want you to stay here, but I know how difficult it is financially. And I said, Coach, I said, I think I'm fine, but uh, let me think about it. I'll go home and talk to Wanda. And so when I came back the next day, I said, Coach, I think I'm going to stay right here because I've helped recruit these players and I'm going to be okay. Whatever I have to do financially, we'll make it. I don't need a lot of money kind of thing. And so then I think that was the year that the book came out, Season on the Brink or something like that. And so Wanda read the thing. She came, I came, she said, boy, I said, I'm really glad we didn't make that move, you know, because it wasn't, it wasn't very flattering about Coach Knight. So several years later, I told him what, what had happened. I told him what Wanda had said, and he said, well, you know, she's a hell of a lot smarter than you are. <laughs> so, but uh, I didn't even mind telling him something like that because I think our friendship was that good. And, uh, and uh, gosh, I guess this was 93. We played in the NCAA tournament, and it was probably you know the 16 or it could have been the elite eight you know how the ncaa you know the tournaments you they announced both the uh, teams introduced both teams and then they introduced the coaches and we're supposed to go to the center line right in front of the score table and shake hands and so they introduced us and coach Knight forgot about it and so he'd already turned around and was back in his huddle so I walked all the way down to his bench. I didn't stand at the center line and wait on him or I didn't wave him off or anything. I walked down the bench and I said, big fella, 
I respect you so much. I don't mind walking down here at your age. And he cursed me a little bit and shook my hand, and everybody was laughing, you know. So I turned around and walked back all the way back down to my bench. And I get down there, and Joe Holiday said, Coach, and he pointed. And it was Coach Knight. He said, you little blankety-blank. He said, I respect your blankety-blank enough that I'm going to walk down to your bench, too. And we hugged, and it's a great picture that I have of the of the two of us at that moment so he was uh, uh just incredible and he he was so so loyal to his players and what happened with them and if it was good or bad he stuck with so many of them for such a long time his knowledge of the game and the way he, he helped people he was uh, he was a fun guy for me to be with he really was Roy Williams with us here on the fan just great stuff and and coach I, I love the blankety blank when you say that it makes us smile in here thinking of Bobby Knight and the different words no doubt uh, the colorful colorful uh, words that no doubt he was using basketball wise whether it be the way he ran practice you mentioned the way they guarded the way his teams passed played as a team uh what did you and other coaches basketball wise get from bobby knight well on the offensive end you know the the freelance passing game and the motion offense i forget which one that coach knight called it but he was the first guy to do that in my opinion at such a high level and i enjoyed that at the end of my career i was fortunate enough to be a head coach 33 years we still called fewer set plays than just about anybody and it's just because uh what i learned from coach knight and what dad what coach smith put in because we did a lot of freelance at north carolina and uh, uh coach knights was much more motion uh coach smith put in a few more screens i did a little bit of both uh but the the basis of it was what coach knight did there and and he said so many things to me that really just stuck with me but one of those things that i liked about uh, what we called our passing game passing and screening and it's just the freelance of it is the other team couldn't scout it because i didn't know what we were going to do so if i didn't know what to do the other team sure the dickens didn't know what they were going to do so i thought that was beneficial to us and and on the defensive end uh um, I really loved an aggressive defense and Coach uh, Knight's one pass away hand in the passing lane, one pass away tough is what we called it. He would take people out of their offense and that was what Coach Smith wanted to do defensively is to take people out of their offense, not allow them to run what they practiced every day. And so for me, that was the foundation of what I did defensively with my teams for 33 years is to try to take them out of their offense and not let them do what they wanted to do. And so for me, uh, that was the absolute foundation of the defense. Now, I pushed the fast break uh, a little more than Coach Smith did and a lot more than Coach Knight did because I really enjoyed that when I was a player. The only problem was I wasn't very good, but still that's what I enjoyed and I wanted to play that way. So even that uh, was something that was extremely important and I leaned on what I'd heard Coach Knight say, what he and I had talked about it. And he told me one time, he he made one statement, he said, we don't full court press because I think it's it's easier to defend half the basketball floor than it is the whole basketball floor. Hmm. If you pick up full court and full court press, you open up so many things by getting down to the against this defense that's not set. And so that was that was for me. 
I mean, we probably full court pressed less than any team in the country in my 33 years. Uh, that was a successful team. Now we, we, you know, sometimes we got beat because we didn't do it as well as we needed to. But I truly believe trying to defend the half court as opposed to the full court, and that came directly from Coach Knight. And uh, it was uh, uh, something that uh, I called him, and we'd talk about it. And uh, we'd be together on the road or in a conference meetings or something, or meet in Indiana one time. Uh, Coach Smith and I set up a golf match with uh, Coach Knight and Ted Bishop at the. Uh, oh gosh, I'm forgetting the name of the golf course. That they Legends. Co-owned. Legends, yeah, uh, right south of Indianapolis, and uh, it's one of the few times that Coach Smith really got mad at me. <laughs> it uh, because we were going to be a, the game started at two o'clock. And uh, he said, I'll pick you up. We want to play at about 9 o'clock or something like that, and, or 8 o'clock. And I said, no, I'll drive over, Coach. And he said, no, there's no need doing that because we were staying at the same hotel. And I said, no, I'll drive her up. I said, you and Coach Knight will decide to play nine more holes. <laughs> I cannot miss the games. I said, I'm not quite worried you guys are, to say the least. And this is fairly late. I mean, we'd, we'd been pretty successful, too. But uh, I just said, no, you guys. He said, no, we won't do it. And I said, Coach, yes, you will. I said, I'll just meet you over there. And so, sure enough, Coach Smith pulled in, and I pulled in right beside of him. And uh, we get out of the car, and Coach Smith got his clubs, and we started walking. He said, where's your clubs? And I said, uh, Coach, I'm just going to rent a set of clubs. And Coach Smith didn't like my answer. Okay. And he said, where are your shoes? And I said, I'm just going to play in these, these my running shoes. And Coach Dean Smith jumped at me and said, this is serious. <laughs> just like that. And uh, so we go out and we play. We play 18. And I played maybe as good a golf round as I played. It, you know, at one time I thought I could really play, but I played really well this day. And so sure enough, I leave and drive back because those two rascals, they decided to play nine more holes. <laughs> <Sure>. like <I laughs> sure. And so I get, I'm sitting at the game and Coach Smith came in and sat down beside me. And all of a sudden, this big rascal gets in behind me and sort of knees me to the back, sort of pushes me out of the way and leans over and starts calling me every name in the book. And uh, uh, I said, Coach Knight, it's good to see you again, too. You know, this kind of thing. But uh, just the, the way that they their, their relationship was something that I admired, uh, but also that how competitive it was just for us on the golf course. <laughs> so for me, it was two-sided. I never had anything with Coach Knight that I didn't, if it was anything negative, I'd call him about it, and and, and we'd talk about it. But majority of the time, 99% of the time, it was just him uh, trying to take care of his team, but also caring and taking care of Roy Williams. And when Coach Smith passed away, uh, I called Coach Knight myself. I called three or four people, and Coach Knight was one of them. And I'm mad at myself because this summer I didn't call him last summer I did call him and we had a chance to visit and you know I knew things weren't going as well but uh, he was uh, uh, he would be in and out about what we were talking about but it was uh, it was good and I'm just mad at myself that I didn't call him back this summer but I have Sean May played for us and Sean was on my staff and then when I retired and Sean is still there and Sean and his dad would talk almost every night and uh, 
so I would know a little bit more about how Coach Knight was doing than a lot of other people. He's one of the greatest coaches in college basketball history is Roy Williams talking about another one of the greatest college coaches uh, ever in Bob Knight. And Roy, very gracious with his time here on this Friday morning. Last one for me, Coach. Um, obviously some epic matchups. Maybe some matchups Indiana fans would like to forget in the 90s between you guys and Indiana. Some tournament games, but also you guys started a four-game series, right, with IU there mm-hmm. in the 90s. I, I don't know, maybe the IU-Kentucky drama right now of like, when are they going to play each other? Where are they going to play it? Maybe that kind of brings us more into light. But I'm curious how that started between you guys and Indiana. It was really easy. He called me and said, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I said, okay. And so we had one game in Kansas City, one game in Indianapolis, one game in Bloomington, and one game in Lawrence. And uh, uh, we were fair fortunate. We won three of those four games. And that's what I started to say. I mean, we did okay uh, my teams against Coach Knight's teams and you know his detractors would always have some negative things to say but even when I'll give you the, one of the funniest one and I'll shut up and let you guys go on to somebody to act a lot better than me so no no you keep game. going we win the game in Lawrence on the last second shot and Coach Knight and I t- had talked and he was thinking about uh, changing shoes because he didn't like either the shoes or the relationship or something I have that's I can't remember if he even told me it wasn't my business, but he said, what do you think about what you have? And so uh, I said, yeah, Coach, I really like these. And I can't even remember what it was at that time, whether I was still with Converse or I'd just gone with Nike. And I said, why don't I get you a pair and let you look at them? I said, I'll send them down to your locker room. He said, well, send them size 14, I think, because that was Pat's size. And I said, okay. So after the game, and I mean, we win the game on the last second shot. My son is like uh, 13, 14 years old. And so he's standing back in the locker room, and I yelled at him to come down there. And I said, take these down and stand outside the locker room and give these to Coach Knight. And he said, give these to Coach Knight? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, yeah, just tell him who you are. He said, Dad, you, you, Dad, you think he's? I said, son, he'll be all right with you. I mean, he's mad just like I'd be mad after a game. But just go down there. And so Scott, uh, and that was Scott, and I laugh about this to this day because he said he's walking down. He says, "Why does my daddy want me to go down there and get killed?" It's <laughs> <laughs> a great story. He goes down there and he's standing outside the locker room. He's got this box of shoes, and uh, so Coach Knight comes out and. Scott and said, I'm so always with my dad's real coach. Who he told me to bring you these shoes? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Coach Knight told me, he said he'd never heard a young kid talk so fast and try to shove the shoes in his hand and get out of there. <laughs> and so Coach Knight put his arm around and said, Son, thank you. He's our said, you tell your dad, I'll talk to him later, but thank you. And he said, I'm not going to bite your head off. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Scott came running back up there, and I said, how'd it go? He said, Dad, I was scared to death. I said, what was he? he said, that's Bobby Knight. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bobby Knight after a loss, uh, after yeah, after a close true. loss, not just Bobby yeah, Knight. It's uh, a loss, a last second shot. So, oh. <clears throat> But no, nothing but great memories. And even when he would do things that uh, – and later on, he might even not think he had done the right thing himself. As far as I was concerned, Bob Knight uh, was one of our greats. Uh, Dean Smith was my mentor. But if I, I was going to pick a second one that I copied things from, I'm not intelligent enough to be an innovator. Coach Smith was very innovative. Coach Knight was innovative. And Roy Williams was a copier. But those are the two guys that I copied 
more than all the rest of the people put together. And like I say, guys, uh, I'll miss him, but I'll think great thoughts about the fun times we've had together. And even when he's sitting behind me with his knees in my back cussing me, <laughs> even when he's banging on my door trying to break the door down and everything else, and even when he's yelling at my wife, where are my effing brownies? I'm, still going, I'm going to remember great things about him and be, um, admire very much what he did. So I appreciate you uh, allowing me to visit with him about a second. Coach, we appreciate the time this morning. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, great stories. Uh, I hope your health is well. Hope to see you at a bunch of North Carolina games this year. Thank you and take care. Thanks, appreciate Coach. It. All right. You guys have a great day. Thank you very much. That is the great, legendary Roy Williams. Uh, Andy, I don't know (laughs) if we have ever had, or I, yeah, I don't want to speak for yourself, we've ever had, um, I guess, just tell stories and tell stories and tell stories. And I wanted that to go till 10. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. To hell with the Colts and Panthers. Sorry, Colts. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Bryce Young and Frank Reich. Sorry, Greg. Greg Rankstraw coming up next. (laughs) Get Rankstraw out of here. How's Rankstraw going to talk about the 6A sectional after this? Yeah, I don't know if Cathedral LN, (laughs) Rake on the call of that, has the same story. Oh, that was fantastic. Good job, Mark. Uh, Mark, tell the story about you texting him and him calling you back while you're holding your daughter yesterday. So this was back when I worked, uh, when it was the Jeff and Big Joe show and I was doing post show stuff and all of a sudden the fo- the guest line rang one time and I was like hello and he's like hi this is uh coach Roy Williams I'm calling for Dan Dockage and I was like oh so I, I ran to Dan I was like hey uh Roy Williams on the phone he's like oh crap we're doing a pre-tape I forgot so I had the nu- the number was on the screen I'm like this is probably like a North Carolina you know like office number <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll, write it, I'll write it down yeah. anyway yeah. so I was going through just contacts yesterday and I was like you know what the hell with it I'm just gonna shoot a text I said hey coach no- don't know if you have any time if you'd like to talk about Coach Knight, I don't even know if this is your number. Let me know. So I'm picking up my oldest, Addison, at uh, at school, putting her on my shoulders. My phone rings. I look down. It says, Roy Williams, North Carolina. I was like, holy crap, do I answer this? And I answer. He's like, hello, this is uh, Coach Roy Williams. And he told me a whole story about it. He's like, yes, it'd be an honor to come on That's and talk, to you, talk, some, to, uh, talk some mall and about Bob Knight with you guys and, and this and that and stuff. So. He was even apologizing. Sorry if I went along with you guys. Like that was phenomenal no, radio. No, we don't have to no. apologize for anything. Absolutely incredible. We're going to re-rack that coming up to end the show today. That will obviously be up on the podcast. I know some of our Friday audience can be you know a little bit in and out just based off how the work week is. So thank you, Mark, for that. And you know, it, just a couple things that stand out to me, Andy, from what Coach Williams had to say there. Um, you know, his description of Bob Knight's willingness to share the knowledge. You know, we, we think of Bob Knight as just this ruthless competitor, and, and he probably was, but clearly he was willing to. Hey, Roy, you're taking a job at Kansas. Bob Knight's not an idiot. He knows Roy Williams is going to get yeah. Kansas on yeah. the map, very or back yeah. on the map, I should say, very, very quickly. And he obviously did that. Um, and to sustain it from Larry Brown to him, obviously, but you know, certainly uh, that sharing of the knowledge uh, that goes back to kind of the Matt Painter comment from yesterday of you know he made us better. You know, Bob Knight's presence made Purdue better, and you know whether it's the sharing of the knowledge, I copied him. I mean, that's the ultimate compliment. You know, I, I not only I look up to you, but I copy what you are doing and what I want my program to be about. And obviously what Roy Williams did at Kansas and North Carolina is, you know, really second to none from a multiple program standpoint. So cannot thank Roy Williams enough for that. There is something, and we'll get to a check down in Rakestraw coming up here in a minute. There is something, uh, and I think this area definitely feels it, 
uh, here in Indiana. There is just there's something magical about the old school college basketball coaches, is there not? To listen to their stories, oh, and, I, I, and everything I didn't want else. It to end. No, I, I mean we, we whether you have a guy like Roy, a guy like Dean, a guy like Bobby Knight, and then you know Coach K obviously would be a part of that, and then like I always when I think of that, I think of you know when Max Bowen's doing a radio show in 25 years or whatever, uh, 30 years or you know maybe even sooner. You you know what I'm saying? Who will be the next group of guys that will say things? You know, covering Rick Pacino for years, he would always talk about the the New York uh, All Star camps and those sorts of things. You know, uh, and and just kind of hearing the guys from that part of the country, and then the Roy Williams and the Dean Smiths, and it's uh, it's magical stuff. Roy could have talked for another hour and a half, and yeah, I would have been fine with it. And you know, to that point, Andy, I you just don't know if there will ever. First off, I don't think there will ever be another Bob Knight, and there might not be that in our market. You know, to have that here, where I said to you yesterday, people look at me cross-eyed when I say I'd rather have a Notre Dame basketball national title than a Notre Dame football national title. It's because of Bob Knight created a religion in this state, and that is basketball. Yeah. And yeah. and while I'm not, you know, this diehard IU fan, um, what he did for that game and so many people impacting those around this state of, yes, we have that final Sunday in May, and, and, and we love that, and we love the 500, but the appointment television he has created for Indiana and Purdue and obviously Indiana as a whole um, is just second to none. So, again, thank you to Roy Williams for that. Mark Dykton, great work. That'll be up on the podcast here in a bit. Uh, all right, uh, probably a quick morning yeah. check down. We could do one very quick to, to follow that. The morning check down. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Yeah, let's start in the NFL. Week 9 underway last night. Titans go on the road and they lose. Another Pittsburgh Steeler ugly win. 2016, your final there. The Steelers now 5-3 and three on the season. The Titans 3-5. and five. They moved 0-4 away from home. Will Levis, not bad. 262, had a pick. No touchdowns through the pick at the end of the game, which I think you could see coming. Uh, I don't know. Mixed reviews on him over the first two weeks. But again, the big story here. Pittsburgh now 5-3, and three, and you look at that division, you look at the AFC, they're a team that's going to be right there. Uh, and that was a big win last night. All right, Colts and Pacers this weekend. Colts have a very lengthy and notable injury report here in the final practice of their week. Uh, no Zaire Franklin yesterday. No Braden Smith. That looks to be a fourth straight missed game for him. We know no Juju Brents. Also popping up, Blake Freeland did not practice due to a back injury. He's the one replacing Braden Smith at right tackle. And Josh Downs. Not on the injury report Wednesday. Was limited yesterday with a knee injury. That will be a name to keep an eye on today. So certainly a lot of news items as we close out the week here with the Colts. And then the Pacers. Uh, you heard Danny Lopez on with us earlier. City uniforms in-season tournament starts tonight. And seems to be reassured from Bally Sports that the app will be good to go. That doesn't mean anything, I'm holding my breath on that. (laughs) Don't. I don't want to see you perish over the weekend. Might be you and Mark on Monday (laughs) with that and moving forward. Uh, But the Pacers and Cavs tonight at 7 o'clock. Tyrese Halliburton is questionable after missing Wednesday night. Five-game homestand for the Pacers. All right, on the other side, Greg Regstraw joins us next. 
All right, back at in the drivehubler.com studios. Busy, busy night to, uh, tonight, I should say, on the fan coming up at 5.30 of the Colts Happy Hour. Pacers and Cleveland Cavaliers coming your way at 6.30. It's a busy night, a lot of high school football, obviously college football tomorrow. Colts and Panthers on Sunday, all right here on the fan. Let's get Greg Gregstraw up, uh, patient with us as we were talking to Roy Williams. He joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Greg, Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, fellas, and thanks for the extra 30 minutes of sleep today. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. Sorry we had to bump you. It's Roy Williams, you know? It, it, it's Roy. I've been bumped for far worse than Roy Williams. <laughs> Trust me, we're good. Fair, fair, fair enough. Uh, it would be stupid for me to lead with anything else. Uh, obviously, I know you have to have something Bobby Knight-wise. Uh, him passing away, any story, any thought you had as a legendary Bobby Knight passed away at 83. Well, Andy, you and I have similar backgrounds, having spent so much of our lives in southern Indiana and being in the Louisville area, where truly that area was a melting pot. Uh, And I consider myself so lucky that I grew up in the time of UofL basketball at its peak, Indiana University basketball at its peak. Yep. Amazingly, Kentucky basketball has been so good, you wouldn't say the Joe B. Hall era was its peak, even though they won the title in 78. But let's think about this. Um, Again, I'm a little bit older than both of you guys, but in a four-year span, Kentucky, Louisville, and Indiana all won a national championship from 78 through 81, and that's the era that I got to grow up in. So you had fans that were talking about the national title in the last five years that all kind of live in that area. So I grew up as a University of Louisville fan. I'm, I'm now 30 years removed from that, not so much now. But to have that passion and that interest in college basketball and Bob Knight being such a part of it is just tremendous. Now, from a professional standpoint, remarkably, my career as a daily sports talk show host um, basically began three weeks after Bob Knight was fired. And so we would talk about like the aftermath of Bob being fired and that first Mike Davis team and then Mike Davis being the you know, uh, the heir apparent to Bob after that. Um, but, but I never got to, say, cover one of his press conferences. Um, I, I can tell you the stories from having, you know, watched the video, seen the newscast, read the newspaper, et cetera, but I never had to live it. So my experience with Bob Knight is more as a fan or as someone that has now been kind of looking backwards in the rearview mirror for the last 23 years. And so... Even though I, I don't do a daily talk show anymore, I still have, kind of have that prism as to how I look at things. And so in thinking about this, and I was going to be doing three hours at some point over the last couple of days. I think the way that I would have handled it would have been this. I would have tried to acknowledge the man's flaws, but focus more on what the you know overwhelming positive things were, just because that's the respect that I think I try to have for somebody in passing because we all make mistakes but here are the things that i think we could acknowledge that he is one of the best basketball coaches to ever grace the face of the earth you could say he is one of the greatest coaches of american team sports i think i heard mike greenberg mm-hmm. uh, use that phrase yesterday and was absolutely spot on that that is that is the right way in which to look at that and there were so many people that he helped whether it's his players who just were around the program that he made their lives better, and the charitable things that he did, those are all great. Doesn't mean you can completely wash over the bad things, 
But to me, in the man's passing, let's talk about so many things that unquestionably are better today because of the impact of Bob Knight. I think it's really well said, Rake. Craig Regstraw here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Shifting gears, Rake. I actually want to go back to last Friday because it, it might get lost in the shuffle of the tournament as it plays out the rest of the month of November. But boy, that fourth quarter of Ben Davis-Brownsburg, Rake, had to be one of ones that you really have never seen uh, with that comeback. Yeah, i got to be honest with you. 25-7, I'm not thinking it's comeback time. I'm thinking, man, this Brownsburg team is really good and Ben Davis is a good team that just you know, did not have a good night uh, because if that had gone the opposite direction, Ben Davis would have been complicit in their own demise. They had three turnovers. They had numerous drop passes. And part of the storyline going into that game, Ben Davis' quarterback and Thomas Gotkowski got hurt in week eight because they were playing North Central. They didn't feel the need to rush him back in week nine. Then you have the bye week. He really hadn't played a full game in four weeks. And you could kind of see that rust and just – you know, for whatever reason, kind of mentally, Ben Davis was, was, was not as crisp as they normally would be offensively. And Brownsburg took advantage of that. But the truly big story of that game for Ben Davis was the fact that Nylon Brown returned, who was their unquestioned defensive leader. He had not played since that IMG game back in week number four. Just his ability to kind of know where everything is going and kind of sniff out those plays Garrett Sherrill had several big carries. He had a 45-yarder, a 65-yarder. But I thought Kyle Nedren did a great job of pointing this out in his game recap earlier this week. Of his 25 carries, 18 of them were for three years. And so Ben Davis made enough solid plays defensively. Mark Zachary made the big play defensively that completely changed the tenor of that game. That game went from 25-7 to 25-20 in the span of about 25 seconds. And, and I don't think that Brownsburg truly ever recovered from that haymaker of Zachary jumping that route, running to the end zone, and making it a one-score game with 8.50 left to go. Greg Regstraw with us here on The Fan. It's a football Friday. We'll get to Matt Taylor in about 15 minutes. Uh, Rake, what game do you have tonight? And then, I mean, obviously, uh, all these sectional games, uh, what are the few that stick out to you that you can't wait to see? Well, the great thing is, is as the tournament gets you know, you know more compact and fewer teams the level of game continues to get better. So my game is Cathedral and L, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, you know, Cathedral playing up a couple of classes at this point in terms of playing in 6A. Um, they are a team that it, it's rare that they kind of fly under the radar. I think they are. Uh, and again, Danny O'Neill is certainly a, a Mr. Football candidate. I'd say one of the leading candidates. You know, he holds all the passing records that Cathedral is going to play for Deion Sanders out in Colorado next year. He can really go. 30 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. He also has over 500 yards rushing. He's their second-leading rusher on the season. LN is a talented team. They're a young team. They elected to make a move back to their starting quarterback the last couple of years in Montez Jones. He's got a talented player behind him in Tanner Aspilet. They try to move kind of Montez to wide receiver and defensive back. Say, hey, let's get our 11 best athletes on the field. They made a move midseason to put Jones back at that quarterback position, and it seemingly has sparked their offense. So let's see exactly what LN can do tonight. I, I think I think is a favorite, but it wouldn't be a stunner if LN wins the game. Those two teams are not that far apart. That should be a good game. In terms of other games that get your attention locally, the Mudsock game, version two, Fishers and HSE, that is a big deal. Uh, Chittard, again, they're going to be the favorites, Hamilton Heights, 
But their path, if Chittard wins the 3A championship and they are the favorite, their path will be as difficult as I think maybe any team's ever had uh, because they're going to play their second unbeaten team of the tournament uh, at now 11-0 Hamilton Heights, and John Kirshner has that team defensively playing exceedingly well. Mount Vernon New Pal comes to mind in 4A. Um, let me see, Harrison and Decatur Central should be really good in terms of 5A. 48 games around the state. There's tons of good ones from north to south all the way across our state tonight. Okay, Greg Rakestraw is with us here. Ellen Cathedral, as you just said, that's the game that he's got tonight. Rake, I did want to make sure that we uh, honestly just kind of alerted people of this more than anything. I disagree with it. I don't. Uh, you've got a little bit more of a conflict of interest, so I totally understand. You probably don't want to comment on it. But the state finals starting this weekend with volleyball and certainly football and basketball, they will not. They will now be streaming only. Uh, now this has to do with the Valley Sports ineptness, and then kind of a trickle down effect off of that. Um, so it'll be $15 per game approximately or $20 for the entire sessions here once we get to state final season. Uh, obviously, I know a lot of people that Friday of Thanksgiving, the Saturday of Thanksgiving, it's kind of a tradition to watch Rake and, and, and view those games. Uh, but Rake, anything else I'm missing from a announcement from the IHSA earlier this week? Because I just think, frankly, people need to know about it and not be right. kind of blindsided by it when that time comes around. Correct. And again, this weekend, the Volleyball State Finals, this was kind of the first event that normally would have been televised. You know, most all state finals have been streamed for well over a decade at this point. But the television package over the last few years has been with Valley Sports Indiana. And last year's televised state finals included volleyball, football, wrestling, girls basketball, boys basketball, and baseball. Now everything will be through the IHSA Champions Network and IHSATV.org. Uh, and, and usually there's one game price, and then for basically just a, a few dollars more, you know, if you buy the entire weekend or the entire day, like tomorrow's four state finals, it is a much cheaper price on a per-game basis. You're really better off just buying the entire day so you can kind of go back and, and, and watch whatever the case may be. Part of this is, is that, to be blunt, Valley Sports Indiana paid a sizable amount of money to the IHSA for those rights, but then also it was on the IHSAA then to produce those events to a um, you know similar level of television. Uh, and, and Kevin, as you know, it takes a lot of money to produce quality television. There's a lot of investment that goes into it. Um, and so when that money wasn't going to go from Valley's to the IHSAA, the IHSA made the conscious decision Let's not spend a similar amount of money to produce these things for television. As the trend is going more online and smart TVs and watching via your phone, laptop, whatever the case may be, that's how things played out. And so everything will be available via stream. You can watch it from anywhere in the world. And I know there are going to be people unhappy about this, and I understand. I know people are not going to get it, and I understand. I just hope that... Uh, the work that I do is both a broadcaster and, frankly, my production company in ISC is responsible for producing not all of these, but a good chunk of them. We're producing the Volleyball State Finals tomorrow up in Muncie. I hope the work that we do and the stories of the student-athletes 
are enough to get people to maybe take an extra step to go online and watch these state finals in a slightly different format and fashion. Rick, we don't typically go go down this path with you, but I thought the comments from Ryan Walters last night were really, really interesting on his coach's show. And we're going to play that audio for you and for all of our listeners that missed it. But you know, obviously, Purdue and Michigan this Saturday night, we know full well uh, where Michigan is at in the news cycle right now with Connor Stallions and their you know, stealing of signals and doing it in person and all of that. Um, I want to play this Ryan Walters audio because I thought it was very candid, very honest, and probably one of the first coaches that I have heard really be publicly upfront about this. Uh, it's been in the news here the last few weeks. Uh, certainly there's an investigation going on with uh, Michigan and the fact that apparently they've had people coming out and buying tickets to games and where you're not supposed to do that. Uh, as a result of that, are you doing anything different on Saturday night to prepare for what could be happening on the other side yeah absolutely um you know it's it's unfortunate um and, and what's crazy is it's there aren't allegations like it, it happened you know yeah. what i mean and and you know there's video evidence there's um ticket purchases and sales that you can track back and you know we know for a fact that they were at a number of our games um and so you know we've had to teach our guys a new language in terms of um, some signals and, and we will operate differently offensively like we might you might see us in a huddle yeah. um, for the for the first time this season um, so it is it is what it is but uh, we're excited to go play and I think it'll make for a great story again I thought very honest there Rake from yeah. Ryan Walters um, either take it if you want to go in that direction, feel free to take that. The other question I'd throw in there is, in the next month and a half, do you think we see any sort of punishment come down from the Big Ten or the NCAA? Uh, I, I think the Big Ten hopes that Jim Harbaugh moves back to the National Football League <laughs> and kind of beats the posse out of town, is my guess, uh, and, and that this kind of goes away. Because clearly I think there is growing frustration amongst the Big Ten membership that nothing has been done from the home office in Chicago on this. I thought that was a very... Um, I thought that was a very honest answer without getting overly emotional about it. I thought that was a wonderful answer by Coach Walters. Um, And let me leave you with this on this topic and for our conversation today. If I drop the old phrase, things that make you go, hmm, you guys might not be old enough to immediately think of either Arsenio Hall or CNC Music Factory. I am, and I might request that song on the JMB Takeover tomorrow (laughs) night for that conversation for the room that is next to you. But is that the reason why Michigan struggled so much in the COVID season? Because they couldn't buy a ticket to go watch these games? That's a great point. It's funny you say that. Also, someone mentioned that TCU, in the prep for their semifinal game last year, they had that month break, of course, and they they retooled all, all their signals because they, they, they had heard right. about this. So it, it is funny that you mentioned that, Rake. So just just something to think about yeah because it hit me last night and i go michigan wasn't very good that year right huh amazing how that works that is that is very interesting all right ray great stuff thanks for being flexible with us am i seeing this correct is is the first college basketball game of the season the jags and spalding coming up monday at 11 a.m is that right uh, if, we're, if, if, if we have the first 11 a.m. tip-off, it's us, Bubba. It is us. Look at yes. that. Uh, you know, that, that. That Division One versus Division Three showdown at the Indiana <laughs> Farmers Coliseum. Hell yeah. I think there's 400 games on Monday to kick off college nice. basketball and IUPUI and Spalding underway at 11 a.m. Great, great stuff. Have a great call tonight with Ellen Cathedral, and uh, we'll certainly be listening on Sunday to the postgame show. Thanks, fellas. The one and only Greg Rakestraw right there covering a whole lot. Anything Ryan Walters 
related credit to him. I, I think for being public about it, insert your Purdue yeah. joke of being a 32 and a half point listen, underdog. I, but I, I agree with Rake. I, I think they're hoping. Now, you mentioned the next month and a half, the NCAA doing something. I mean, you're kidding with that, right? The NCAA, right, how, I was, how slow they move. Uh, God, it might be five years from now. Harbaugh might be, you know, he had won a championship in college. He went to the NFL and rebuilt the Raiders by the time. What yes. about the Big Ten, though? The Big Ten... Because you're going to piss off yeah, you know, 10 or 11 teams, they, but you could also forego how much money Michigan could get oh, you they're, they're not in the playoff They're appearance. not doing anything this year. No, th- this is all after the season. Uh, they hope Harbaugh leaves. This is after the season. They can club Michigan. Uh, you know, you know, the, the you know the Big Ten can club Michigan. The NCAA can do that. The NCAA could give coaches and Harbaugh a show cause on top of that. But there's no doubt they are hoping that this ends. Uh, you know, they're probably hoping that Michigan can make them that money, but not win the national title, right? Uh, and then Harbaugh can leave and get another job in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. That's exactly how they hope this plays out. We will talk Colts with Matt Taylor on the other side. If you missed it, we will play back that Roy Williams interview. Outstanding storytelling from the Hall of Famer. He uh, To end the show, I guess we will do that. Uh, but uh, we'll talk Colts coming up on the other side with Matt Taylor. Yeah, wow. Been a busy, busy morning. Uh, we are going to, and KB, jump in here if you want. We're going to be replaying Roy Williams at about 9.30-ish. Yeah, yeah, just uh, a little bit after 9.30. Such a great conversation earlier today. Literally told stories for 25 <laughs> minutes. It was the easiest interview I think you and I have ever done, but I just found myself not wanting it to end and listening. We will give away Freebie Friday Jiffy Lube oil yep. change coming up. Uh, at the end of the morning check down here, a little bit before that, you've got a Bob Knight related trivia question. Yes, we'll to get give to that we, we, away, yeah, right? we, we can do that as well. I'll be going to Jiffy Lube after the show with the wife's car today. Look at that. A little, little oil change. How about that? Sounds like a Friday. Household. What a great Friday. What a beautiful Friday. Uh, let's go on out to the Payless Liquors hotline. Big one this weekend. Colts on the road. Uh, need to stop the bleeding at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Mayte, Matt Taylor joins us here on the Payless Liquors hotline. He'll be on the call. Matt, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. I got to echo. I was driving in, uh, listening to all those stories by Roy Williams. Tip of the cap to him. Yeah. Tip of the cap to you guys. Great interview. Great listen. Really enjoyable. Just just awesome radio. Good job. Uh, appreciate it. That was all Mark Dighton uh, setting that up. Roy Williams, uh, fantastic. Uh, Bobby Knight passing away. Come on. I know you got to have a Bobby Knight story. No, he let's does. go. Let's go. He told Maytay. me about it in the locker room. All right. Let's go, Maytay. <laughs> Nothing like a basketball camp Bob Knight story. <laughs> so I'm. I'm probably 12 years old, 11, 12 years old, and a couple of buddies uh, in the summer, uh, early early to mid June, uh, we go we go down to Bob Knight basketball camp um, in Bloomington. So we're on cloud nine, right? We're staying in the dorms. We're with the players. Luke Reckers, my camp counselor. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> it's just you know an unbelievable time. And this is back when you know you're you're still playing probably the the late stages of little league baseball. And this is back when kids played little league baseball. It's not like travel ball now. So right back then, you know, in April and May, you would play the Little League Baseball schedule. Then you would go into All-Stars, right? So I made the All-Star team, the Little League that I was at, and we had we had a, an All-Star game or an All-Star tournament that kind of overlapped with one of the uh, days that I was going to be at Bob Knight Basketball Camp. 
So it just kind of worked out that we were playing like down in Ellettsville or, you know, Edgewood or somewhere that was reasonable to, you know, my dad would pick me up um, in the middle of the afternoon uh, down in Bloomington at Bob Knight basketball camp. We would go to the All-Star game and then they drove me back. And I don't remember the particulars, but that's basically what happened. So there was every night of of like a four-day basketball camp down in Bloomington, every night there was like an all-camp meeting at like 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock p.m. So my dad drives me back. I get back like at 9.50. So I hurry upstairs. I change out of my Little League baseball uniform. Um, I I go get into some like street clothes, uh, and I think I'm going to get to this meeting on time. Well, it's like 10.01, and you know how that goes, right? So it's like, do I go to this meeting? Do I not? Like, am I going to get reprimanded if I don't show up? So I sneak in the back door, and I think I'm okay. And the back door kind of like latches or clicks mm-hmm. as I walk in, and yep. it makes a noise. And, yep. you know, Bob Knight is up there talking to the entire camp. You're talking like 200, 300 kids. And I'm here in the back, and the door clicks, and every head in the camp turns and looks at me. And I'm 12 years old, and I don't know what in the world Bob Knight said to me, but he just eviscerates me as a 12-year-old. I have no idea to this day yes. what he says to me, and I'm sure he kind of watered it down for, for the age bracket that I was in at the time. I don't but know if he did or not, yeah, to be honest yeah, with I you. I kind of believe I would take the under on that. He probably didn't. And the thing is, like, I'm trying to be, like, respectful. I'm trying to be, like, you know, prompt. And, you know, I'm conscious of, of what it means to be on time. And he just gave me a lesson lesson on that with, with me being, you know, one minute late and, and all of that stuff. And I, I called my dad the next day. I'm like, I told you I should have gotten this meeting. You know, I know we were going to be late. But, uh, you know, for the next, you know, day and a half or whatever, uh, the remainder of that camp, like, I was the kid that got chewed out by Bob Knight. So I guess I wore that with, with, uh, with a badge of honor. So uh, I had have no idea what he said, no recollection of what 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 was uh, coming my way, but I just remember I was the kid that got ye- got yelled okay. out by an iconic Mount Rushmore head coach. I'm glad you didn't pee your pants, to be honest with I'm you. I'm sure I did, actually. <laughs> Man, I'm tell- I, 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 you know, at the time, you're 12 years old, that had to be horrifying, but now looking back at it as an adult, if you had to pick one thing, being crushed verbally by Bobby Knight oh, is, an awesome, yeah. is an awesome memory to have. I gotta be honest, it's fantastic, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like we were on cloud nine going to that camp. Like we we were just so excited to like be given IU branded apparel as as campers. And uh, like I said, you know, Luke Recker was my camp counselor back in those days. You had uh, like Luke Jimenez and um, you know. Kevin, help me out. Some of those teams, players like on the 96, 97 Indiana. Taylor Guyton, I guess. Yeah, you know Michael Lewis. Yeah, yeah, Michael Lewis was on that. Rocking the red sweater last night for Ball State's exhibition game. I saw. Absolutely. So yeah, we were. You know, the camp you had. You had one of the year camp games was at Assembly Hall, which was just amazing. You know, most of the games were at the Hyper. Um, Yeah, just a a really, really great time. And and unfortunately, it coincided with a stupid All Star game that then turned into an epic story. That is such a great twelve year old story there from Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. Sees off to Charlotte tomorrow. It's Colts and Panthers. Four oh five. Kit coming up. So our coverage will begin at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Mayte, a week ago Friday, your analogy I absolutely loved. Uh, unfortunately for the Colts, the dead battery did find a charge, and that was uh, the New Orleans Saints offensively certainly uh, hitting its stride. The Colts defense struggling mightily in that one. Tell me you've got another analogy ready for Colts and Panthers coming up. 
Oh man, no, I don't have one that's 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 top of mind here. I guess you know with the Panthers sitting here at one and six, um, you know may, maybe they're like Frankenstein, you know, yep. <laughs> having huh? their, with their first win and, and it's it's Halloween a couple of days ago. I suspect you know they're 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 coming off the mat there. They were you know flirting with uh, their worst start in franchise history, and it's it sounds crazy to say, but you know they're one and six. They do have a little bit of momentum getting their first win last week. The fact that they play in the NFC South, which is you know, none of those teams in that division, you know, none of those four teams are going to run away with anything. Uh, I think Frank Reich's going to that playbook of listen guys, I mean, we're here and we, we, we've we earned uh, where we are right now, but you know, in 2018 we were 1-5, in 2021 we were 1-4, and four, and, and both of those seasons we got back into the mix. They still got nine games to go. The, the entire second half of their season uh, is, is out there waiting for them. Uh, plus their division's not very good, so believe it or not, they still have everything to play for, and they're trying to get on a roll or start a roll, and it starts you know, this Sunday against the, uh, the, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Colts are trying to do the exact same thing. So this is a pivotal game. It's a monster game for both teams, kind of a swing game, just like last week's game was against the Saints. Matt Taylor with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You look at the last three games, 37 points, the Jags, the Browns score 39 against the Colts, the uh, the Saints score 38. Uh, we've talked a lot about the offense and, and that sort of thing, but the defense, to me, uh, is kind of you know talking point number one. What do you hope to see from the defense on Sunday? Yeah, it's it's really kind of you know tip. Whatever you want to say, topsy turvy, uh, upside down. Um, you know this offense right now with with backup quarterback Gardner Minshew, they're scoring almost 28 points per game. They're sixth in the NFL in scoring, and this defense that we thought was going to be, you know, maybe a, a unit that was going to flirt with being a top 10 unit, considering all of the talent they had coming back and the continuity from last year. You know, right now they're they're last in the NFL in scoring, primarily because, as you said, Andy, they're giving up uh, at least 37 points. Points per game uh, in these last three. It's the first time the Colts have done that since 2018. So they got to get some things figured out. And you know, it starts in the secondary for me this weekend. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do uh, in the back end, primarily because you know, last week they went away from Daryl Baker Jr. They tried uh, things with with Tony Brown. Obviously, you know that went the way it did. So now they've got a couple of options. They can put Kenny Moore on the outside, which I know they're reluctant to do, and I understand that. Uh, They can put Tony at nickel, uh, or they can leave Kenny outside and bring uh, Julian Blackman down at nickel. He's played that some. You know, he did that in a pinch last year when Kenny was hurt towards the end of the season. That means Nick Cross would play some more safety if they did that and moved Julian to nickel. They can do a lot of different things. I mean, it doesn't matter that Stephon Gilmore is not here anymore. It doesn't matter that Brandon Faison and Juju Brents aren't going to play on Sunday. you got to play with, with uh, the euchre hand that you've been dealt there, and you're going to have to make some things happen. You know, the, there's your analogy, KB. Look Win a couple that. of tricks. Yeah. I like that. You know? we're, we're, well, we're struggling to, struggling to find a jack right now, or a bower right, right now at the old cornerback position. You need an off-suit ace in that secondary, <laughs> right? you know, to kind of <laughs> draw out some, some Trump. But What about um, Darren Hall off the practice squad? I mean, I I know we're grasping at straws here, but I I look at his resume, Matt, and, and you know, obviously not a household name, but nine starts with the Falcons last year. Former fourth-round pick. He's been on the practice squad, I think, for the vast majority of the season. Yeah, I don't know. I'm throwing a dart at a dartboard here. 
Well, same thing with Amir Speed too. You know, they picked him up a couple of weeks ago, claimed him from New England, and you know, is is perhaps is, is he up to speed? Uh, no pun intended to be able to play on Sunday and give the Colts at least some more options and some more depth pieces uh, in the secondary. And, and the reason you know to take this to take this home is the reason why it's fascinating is because. You know, you look at Carolina and their offense, their best player, at least on that side of the ball, catching the ball, is Adam Thielen. And I know they can move him around a little bit. Um, they, they just try to free him up as, as best they can, watching a little bit of film. You know, he'll go in motion, stacks and bunches and stuff like that. But predominantly uh, this year and, and for his career, he's one of the best slot receivers in the NFL, which means you would want your best player matched up on him, and that would be Kenny Moore. So do you leave Kenny Moore into the slot just for this game, trying to slow down? Uh, Adam Thielen, who's got 57 catches on the season. He ranks sixth in the NFL in catches. He has three times as many catches on this team for the Panthers than the next guy. Uh, it, it's it's crazy how much they're relying on him. He's got 33% of the team's catches on the season, which is the third highest rate in the NFL uh, so far this year. So perhaps this is a game where you leave Kenny Moore in at slot because of the slot receiver matchup on Adam Thielen. But um, you know, I'm not paid to make those decisions. That's what Gus Bradley's going to have to figure out this week. He and Ron Miles and some of those other coaches trying to figure out what their best personnel lineup is, trying to slow down Bryce Young in that passing game. All right, Matt, last one, and it's a pretty notable injury report on this Friday morning. The guys that have not practiced all week, you know, the Colts did have a walkthrough on Wednesday, Juju Brents, Zaire Franklin, Braden Smith. Then the two guys that popped up on it yesterday, Blake Freeland, uh, did not participate due to a back injury, and uh, uh, Josh Downs was limited due to a knee. If you're talking about just for Sunday, who would you label as the most important out of those five names? Man, that's that's like... That's like a, a five-way tie almost, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think you can make compelling cases for several of them. Yeah. You know, I, I, I guess if, I, if you're forcing me to pick one, um, man, it's got to be between either uh, Freeland or, or, uh, or Downs. I mean, Downs is just so prolific right now for the Colts offense with the big plays and just that, that synergy and that chemistry he's on right now with Gardner Minshew. Seems like every time the Colts need a, a pivotal catch or a third-down conversion, it's Downs. But then, you know, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. You know, if if you can't protect Gardner Minshew, he can't get the ball to Downs. That's where Blake Freeland comes in. So, I don't know. I guess it's a tie for both of those guys. I mean, not downplaying sure. the, the significance of a loss of, of uh, Zaire Franklin because he has, he's never missed a game, right? So, if he doesn't play on Sunday, it'll be the first time in his career that he'll be on the sidelines watching. Um, but I think, you know, with, with Shaq Leonard's um, – his his usage ramping up and EJ speed. I think you can get by there. I think you have a really good um, you know backup linebacker and Grant Stewart as well. I mean that guy just plays with his hair on fire every time he's in there. Um, so again, not downplaying Zaire Franklin, but I guess if you're making me pick, it it'd be kind of half Freeland, half uh, Downs, um, considering their contributions on offense. Yeah, not, definitely not an easy answer. It'll be something to watch here later today. All right, Matt. As always, man. Thanks for the time. Bob Knight's story outstanding. Frankenstein analysis for Sunday. Very good as well. Uh, Safe travels to Charlotte. Enjoy the NASCAR Hall of Fame and we'll talk to you next week. Are we talking to you from Germany? You left out the barbecue, man. Barbecue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mustard based there, right? Isn't that the Carolina barbecue? It's mustardy? Yeah, 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 that's good stuff. Yeah, we're going to have to figure out the, uh, the old time change for next Friday.
If they yeah, don't mind. You're, yeah, no doubt. We're gonna have to figure that out. I'm, I'm still not even sh- sure what uh, what time zone we're on or what they're on because we're falling back and they're skipping ahead. And yeah, I've, I've got no idea. So just call me, and if I'm up, we'll talk. Hey, man, I love it. Safe travels, man. All right, boys, be good. That is Matt Taylor right there two on o'clock. the Payless Slickers hotline. Yeah, they are. Uh, it's again, two o'clock right now in uh, in Germany. But this weekend, right? Don't we do the fall? Oh back? yeah, I forgot all about that. But they yeah. don't do it, I think. So I think Dude. we're adding an hour based off. Right now, it's five hours. Right. I think it might be six starting next week. That'll be fine. It'd be two. You know, be three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. That'll be okay. And Colts heading over there next Thursday after their second practice of the week, so they'll have a kind of a normal week. Uh, but they'll have that final practice of the week, the light one on Friday in Germany. All right, uh, on the other side, we are going to give away a Jiffy Lube oil change coming up. Uh, any hints for this Bob Knight trivia? Oh, goodness. Uh, here is the hint. We have mentioned this Bobby Knight um, thing. We have mentioned this Bobby Knight uh, media item with Roy Williams earlier in the show. Is that okay? Is that enough? If you were listening in the 7 o'clock hour, we kind of talked about this a little bit. But, you know, that was a couple hours ago. This seems difficult to me. You think it's difficult? We'll see how it goes. Well, I mean, usually Scotty has 19. I know, that's baseball. fair. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. not Warren Spahn's nephew's <laughs> okay. grandniece's yeah. stepsister. This year in yeah. 1933, okay? In 1874, yeah. this track's very are. fair. Uh, if you missed it earlier, Roy Williams on Bob Knight. We're going to re rack that coming up in about 10 minutes. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. All right, morning check down. Reminder, uh, we're going to do a check down, and then we're going to let you uh, rehear Roy Williams. We spoke with him at the 8 o'clock hour, just 20 minutes, what, 23 minutes, KB, of stories about Bobby Knight, uh, stuff you just can't get. So we just can't wait to replay that to you. Uh, just some of the best radio you can get. So anyway, uh, let's get to our morning check down. Steelers winners last night, 2016, over the Titans. Steelers now 5-3. and three. Tennessee drops to 3-5, and 0-4. Oh, I thought Tennessee had a great chance to win a late interception. Will Levis was fine. Uh, I thought he was he was better than Kenny Pickett. I mean, Pickett was bad in that first half. Uh, so Levis finishes 262, doesn't have a touchdown, does have that interception at the end of the game. Like I said, Tennessee now, if you're looking at the AFC South, now 3-5 and five on the season. Yeah, Colts will see both of those teams coming up in December. Again, it is a great Week 9 slate. Kansas City, Miami from Frankfurt, Cowboys, Eagles, Bills, Bengals, terrific here in in week nine. Gi- Giants Raiders. <laughs> the, to- the, toilet bowl, the toilet bowl game. Uh, quick local <laughs> rundown before that Bob Knight trivia. Uh, college football-wise for this weekend, Indiana, Wisconsin. Surprise to see Indiana such a big underdog. I've not viewed Wisconsin as very good this season. It is in Bloomington. Uh, Purdue, a huge underdog. 32.5 points to Michigan. Ryan Walters not holding back about Jim Harbaugh and the sign-stealing stuff. We played that audio a little bit earlier with Greg Gregstraw if you want to check that out. Notre Dame, a slight favorite over Clemson on the road. That is a noon kick. Pacers in action back-to-back. It is Cleveland tonight. Tyrese Halliburton is questionable. It is Charlotte tomorrow night. It starts a five-game homestand. And again, the Colts a three-point favorite over Carolina. That injury report for Sunday. Uh, One to watch here at the final practice of the week. All right. Set up the audience, how we're going to do this here for the Bob Knight trivia for the free Jiffy Lube oil change. We will take 
callers. The first caller that gets it correct, we'll do this during the break, gets the oil change. Andy Sweeney, ask away. All right, so we mentioned this in the 7 o'clock hour. Bobby Knight and Roy Williams, who you're going to hear in about five minutes, Roy Williams was in a commercial with Bobby Knight for Rock Band. Now, this is going all the way back to 2008 with Metallica. There were four coaches. Again, Bobby Knight and Roy Williams. Who were the other two coaches in that commercial for Rock Band in 2008? 239-1070. We'll take your calls off the air. Is that good with you? I who love are the it. other two? Roy Williams on Bob Knight next. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, back at it on this Football Friday in the DriveHubler.com studios. Uh, congratulations to Shane, who's getting the oil change. Not Steichen? Uh, not Shane Steichen. I would imagine Just wanted to clarify. He's game planning. Uh, he's all ball. That would have been fascinating. How to throw the ball 55 times against the Carolina Panthers. I'm kidding. Stop he's it. all ball and oil changes. That's exactly that. what he is. What was the correct answer? Andrew Patino and uh, it was uh, Coach okay. K and Rick Patino. Yes, Coach K, Rick Patino, Bobby Knight, and Roy Williams. Uh, how about that? How about that as a foursome uh, on that commercial back in 2008? All right, in the eight o'clock hour, if you missed it, we had on Roy Williams, the Hall of Fame coach, and he had about 23 minutes telling stories about Bobby Knight. Our conversation started with me asking about the emotions when he found out that Knight had passed away. Here's that conversation. Well, it was a sad moment. There's no question about that. And uh, my relationship with Coach Knight was uh, one of a friend, but it was also, he was one of my mentors. There's no question that uh, Coach Dean Smith was the greatest mentor I had, and my high school coach, Buddy Baldwin, was very involved in that as well. But uh, as a young coach, watching what Indiana did and what Coach Knight did, it was something that I appreciated and something that I admired. And then when I became an assistant at North Carolina, Coach Knight's relationship with Coach Dean Smith was a great one, and uh, I learned even more. Uh, And then when I became the head coach at Kansas in uh, 1989, I even called him and uh, asked if I could come up and uh, watch practice. And so I flew up there and spent the afternoon a little while with him and then watched him practice. And then we sat in the locker room, just the two of us, and uh, uh, talked for a few hours. And uh, that really uh, put it at a different level. And uh, during, our, during our time together, needless to say, I watched his practice, talked basketball with him. I played golf with him. Uh, I watched baseball games. Uh, no, I shouldn't say games, but I mean – Pittsburgh, we're both doing a clinic, and uh, uh, I'm sitting up in the room and uh, watching a Major League Baseball game. I just ordered room service, and all of a sudden, bang, bang, bang. I thought somebody's going to knock my door down, and I went to the door, and he said, what the heck are you doing, boy? I said, I'm watching a baseball game. Come on in here and sit down. Let's watch this game. And we sat down and watched the baseball game. I called room service and doubled the order so he'd have something to eat, too. And uh, we competed uh, quite a bit. When I was at Kansas, we had five or six big-time games against Indiana. And uh, and so then he went to Texas Tech, and we were in the same league. So it was a, a relationship that I admired a great deal. I was just proud of it a great deal. And uh, he treated me like I was one of his own guys. 
Gosh, to be a caddy in that group of you and Bob Knight on the golf course, I would have paid a lot of money uh, to be that. Coach, thank you for the time this morning. Again, Roy Williams joining us here, the Hall of Famer. Uh, let's go back to you and, and looking at you know, Coach Knight as a mentor. What was it about, whether it was uh, how he you know, ran his program, how he coached his team, that had you from afar v- viewing him in that light? Well, I just love the way they guarded people, and I love the way that they played a, quote, freelance passing game kind of uh, uh, offense. And so I admired that part. And so I started studying it more. And, oh, gosh, I guess in 1979, I guess it was, uh, um, my first year as an assistant coach at uh, – no, excuse me, 78, 79, at uh, North Carolina – uh, we decided uh, – I made a stupid remark. I told Coach Dean Smith, I said, I think we should have a organized preseason conditioning program. And he did like all great leaders did. He said, okay, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> I learned something right there. But I, I called Kentucky and I called Indiana and a couple other places and saw what they did and made up our own. And, and I think I copied more of uh, what Indiana's conditioning program was. And so then I got involved in it a little bit more and uh, just admired what they did on the court. You know, I mean, uh, uh, just uh, uh, this unselfishness and the movement of the basketball and then how they did guard you and try to take you out of what you were doing. So, But he was so responsive. And uh, even when we competed, and uh, I'll never forget in uh, – gosh, I guess this was the 93 – NCAA tournament. Well, first of all, the 91 NCAA tournament, we uh, played in the round of 16. And and, uh, I was coaching at Kansas, as I said, and we got off to a great start. And all of a sudden, the referee stopped the game, and there was a bolt coming out of the floor in the Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina. And they stopped the game, and uh, uh, John Clockerty was one of the officials that called us out on the court. And uh, and you could see this big bolt was just sticking up a full inch out of the court. It's just something that jarred it loose. And so they had to get the crew out there to get it put back down and that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, Coach Knight said, can we start the blankety-blank game over again since you guys screwed this up? And he looked at me, and I said, Coach, I'd rather keep it going where it is because we're ahead like 24 to 6. But uh, so – People would say, you know, his detractors would say, well, if he, if you beat him, he's not going to like you. Well, we, we had a winning record against Coach Knight, and he still treated me like I was one of his. And so that sharing of his knowledge is uh, – John Thompson one time said about Coach Dean Smith that what he did is he gave me his greatest gift. He shared his knowledge. Well, that's what Coach Knight did with me, and uh, even to the extent of some crazy things uh, – he comes to Lawrence when uh, he says last year at Indiana and we play. And uh, so the night before, I went over to the hotel and took him some brownies uh, from my wife. And so two or three years later, you know, he's coaching at Texas Tech and now he's in our league and he comes in and they didn't get there till really late. And so uh, uh, the next night, we're getting ready to play the game. And, you know, he came out very late. Uh, in the pregame just right before the game started and so I was down on the end of the court waiting on him and so we, he said hello and hugged me and he said where's Wanda <laughs> <laughs> and I said coach she's right down here she sits on the 10th row up behind our bench and so he walks down there and 
and they miss this. You know, guys, this is 15 seconds before the game starts. And press rows right there, the scores tables right there, and he looked up at Wanda and yelled, "Hey, where's my blanket to blank brownies?" <laughs> <laughs> That's and great. Everybody just cracked up. So he was a guy that I enjoyed. Uh, uh, when he did get in the league, we'd go to the conference meetings and we would uh, we'd be out playing golf one time at Colorado Springs, and I said, "Coach." We can play nine more and still get to the meeting when we have to be there because otherwise we're just going to stand around and talk. And he said, let's play nine more. So it was just the two of us. We played nine more holes. And he said, I said, we got plenty of time now. He said, why don't we play nine more and skip the whole blessed thing? <laughs> and, uh, but his sharing of the knowledge is the greatest thing you can do to someone. And he did that, and he knew that I liked uh, baseball. Uh, enjoyed playing golf perhaps more than he did. I made him sign a, uh, a big bet that he lost, and I made him sign the, the bill, and he wrote on it the next blankety-blank time we're going to play tennis. And uh, So he was just a guy that I really enjoyed and learned a great deal from and was very appreciative of what he did for me. He's Roy Williams. He's sharing plenty of stories, and we're very grateful for his time here on this Friday morning about Bob Knight and and, and the legendary career and the relationship that he had, uh, certainly on the court and off the court as well, with him. Coach, is the story true that at one point you almost joined the Indiana staff with Coach Knight? It's it's really a funny thing, especially to Coach Knight, but... uh, you know, in the early 80s, particularly if any athletic director needed a basketball coach, they talked to either Coach Smith or Coach Knight before they made a decision. And so I'd been as the part-time assistant, which was full-time job, part-time pay is what it was. But, uh, I mean, people don't believe this, but my first year in North Carolina, I made $2,700 <laughs> for the whole year. So I was I sold calendars. I drove copies of TV shows. I mean, I just did everything like that. So the financial part of it wasn't very good, but uh, it's like my third year, I guess it was. And uh, uh, Coach Smith came in and said, I just got off the phone with Bob, and I think, you know, and I might miss the year or something like that, but I think Joe B. Wright was leaving Indiana. And uh, so he said, I just got off the phone with Bob, and he and I talked because Joe B. Wright's leaving, and you know, I do have a lot of talk. I talk to a lot of athletic directors about job, and Bob does also. If you're worried about the finances, and, uh, you know, he would take you as an assistant coach with the two of us, you would have a chance, a lot better chance to get a head coaching job. And he says, if you're going to be patient, he said, I want you to stay here, but I know how difficult it is financially. And I said, Coach, I said, I think I'm fine, but uh, let me think about it. I'll go home and talk to Wanda. And so when I came back the next day, I said, Coach, I think I'm going to stay right here because I've helped recruit these players and I'm going to be okay. Whatever I have to do financially, we'll make it. I don't need a lot of money kind of thing. And so then I think that was the year that the book came out, Season on the Brink or something like that. And so Wanda read the thing. She came, I came, she said, boy, I said, I'm really glad we didn't make that move, you know, because it wasn't, it wasn't very flattering about Coach Knight. So several years later, I told him what, what had happened. I told him what Wanda had said. And he said, well, you know, she's a hell of a lot smarter than you are. <laughs> so, but uh, I didn't even mind telling him something like that because I think our friendship was that good. And, uh, and uh, gosh, I guess this was 93. We played in the NCAA tournament, and it was Probably, you know, the 16 or it could have been the Elite Eight. 
you know, how the NCAA, you know, the tournaments, you, they announced both the uh, teams, introduced both teams, and then they introduced the coaches, and we're supposed to go to the center line right in front of the score table and shake hands. And so they introduced us, and Coach Knight forgot about it. And so he'd already turned around and was back in his huddle. So I walked all the way down to his bench. I didn't stand at the center line and wait on him. I didn't wave him off or anything. I walked down the bench, and I said, Big fella, I respect you so much. I don't mind walking down here at your age. And he cursed me a little bit and shook my hand, and everybody was laughing, you know. So I turned around and walked back all the way back down to my bench. And I get down there, and Joe Holliday said, Coach, and he pointed. And it was Coach Knight. He said, you little blankety-blank. He said, I respect your blankety-blank enough that I'm going to walk down to your bench, too. And we hugged. And it's a great picture that I have of the of the two of us at that moment. So he was uh, uh, just incredible. And he he was so, so loyal to his players and what happened with them. And if it was good or bad, he stuck with so many of them for such a long time. His knowledge of the game and the way he, he helped people, he was uh, he was a fun guy for me to be with. He really was. Roy Williams with us here on The Fan. Just great stuff. And, and Coach, I, I love the blankety-blank. When you say that, it makes us smile in here, thinking of Bobby Knight and the different words, no doubt, uh, the colorful, colorful uh, words that no doubt he was using. Basketball-wise, whether it be the way he ran practice, you mentioned the way they guarded, the way his teams passed, played as a team. Uh, what did you and other coaches, basketball-wise, get from Bobby Knight? Well, on the offensive end, you know, the the freelance passing game and the motion offense, I forget which one that Coach Knight called it, but he was the first guy to do that, in my opinion, at such a high level. And I enjoyed that. At the end of my career, I was fortunate enough to be a head coach 33 years. We still called fewer set plays than just about anybody. And it's just because uh, what I learned from Coach Knight and what Dad, what Coach Smith put in, because we did a lot of freelance at North Carolina. And uh, uh, Coach Knight's was much more motion. Uh, Coach Smith put in a few more screens. I did a little bit of both. Uh, but the the basis of it was what Coach Knight did there. And and he said so many things to me that really just stuck with me. But one of those things that I liked about uh, what we called our passing game, passing and screening, and it's just the freelance of it is the other team couldn't scout it because I didn't know what we were going to do. So if I didn't know what to do, the other team, sure the Dickens didn't know what they were going to do. So I thought that was beneficial to us. And, and on the defensive end, uh, um, I really loved an aggressive defense. And Coach uh, Knight's one pass away, hand in the passing lane, one pass away tough is what we called it. He would take people out of their offense. And that was what Coach Smith wanted to do defensively is to take people out of their offense, not allow them to run what they practiced every day. And so for me, that was the foundation of what I did defensively with my teams for 33 years is to try to take them out of their offense and not let them do what they wanted to do. And so for me, uh, that was the absolute foundation of the, the defense here. Now, I pushed the fast break uh, a little more than Coach Smith did and a lot more than Coach Knight did because I really enjoyed that when I was a player. The only problem was I wasn't very good, but still that's what I enjoyed, and I wanted to play that way. So even that 
uh, was something that was extremely important. And I leaned on what I'd heard Coach Knight say, what he and I had talked about it. And he told me one time, he, he made one statement. He said, we don't full court press because I think it's it's easier to defend half the basketball floor than it is the whole basketball floor. Hmm. If you pick up full court and full court press, you open up so many things by getting down to the against this defense that's not set. And so that was that was for me. I mean, we probably full court pressed less than any team in the country in my 33 years. Uh, that was a successful team. Now we, we, you know, sometimes we got beat because we didn't do it as well as we needed to. But I truly believe trying to defend the half court as opposed to the full court, and that came directly from Coach Knight. And uh, it was uh, uh, something that uh, I called him, and we'd talk about it. And uh, we'd be together on the road or in a conference meetings or something or meet in Indiana one time. Uh, Coach Smith and I set up a golf match with uh, Coach Knight and Ted Bishop at the, uh, oh gosh, I'm forgetting the name of the golf course. That they Legends? Legends, yeah. Uh, right south of Indianapolis. And uh, it's one of the few times that Coach Smith really got mad at me <laughs> it, uh, because we were going to be, uh, the game started at 2 o'clock. And uh, he said, I'll pick you up. We want to play at about 9 o'clock or something like that, and or 8 o'clock. And I said, no, I'll drive over, Coach. And he said, no, there's no need doing that because we were staying at the same hotel. And I said, no, I'll drive her up. I said, you and Coach Knight will decide to play nine more holes. <laughs> I cannot miss the games. I said, I'm not quite worried. You guys are, to say the least. And this is fairly late. I mean, we'd, we'd been pretty successful, too. But uh, I just said, no, you guys. He said, no, we won't do it. And I said, Coach, yes, you will. I said, I'll just meet you over there. And so, sure enough, Coach Smith pulled in, and I pulled in right beside of him. And uh, we get out of the car, and Coach Smith got his clubs, and we started walking. He said, where's your clubs? And I said, uh, Coach, I'm just going to rent a set of clubs. And Coach Smith didn't like my answer. Okay. <laughs> and he said, where are your shoes? And I said, I'm just going to play in these, these my running shoes. And Coach Dean Smith jumped at me and said, this is serious. <laughs> just like that. And uh, so we go out and we play. We play 18. And I played maybe as good a golf round as I played. It, you know, at one time I thought I could really play, but I played really well this day. And so sure enough, I leave and drive back because those two rascals, they decided to play nine more holes. <laughs> sure, like I sure. And so I get, I'm sitting at the game and Coach Smith came in and sat down beside me. And all of a sudden, this big rascal gets in behind me and sort of knees me to the back, sort of pushes me out of the way and leans over and starts calling me every name in the book. And uh, uh, I said, Coach Knight, it's good to see you again, too. You know, this kind of thing. But uh, just the, the way that they their, their relationship was something that I admired, uh, but also that how competitive it was just for us on the golf course. <laughs> so for me, it was two-sided. I never had anything with Coach Knight that I didn't, if it was anything negative, I'd call him about it. And then and, and we'd talk about it. But majority of the time, 99% of the time, it was just him uh, trying to take care of his team, but also caring and taking care of Roy Williams. And when Coach Smith passed away, 
uh, I called Coach Knight myself. I called three or four people, and Coach Knight was one of them. And I'm mad at myself because this summer I didn't call him. Last summer I did call him, and we had a chance to visit. And you know, I knew things weren't going as well, but uh, he was—he uh, uh, would be in and out about what we were talking about. But it was—it uh, was good, and I'm just mad at myself that I didn't call him back this summer. But I have Sean May played for us, and Sean was on my staff when I retired, and Sean is still there. And Sean and his dad would talk almost every night, and uh, so I would know a little bit more about how Coach Knight was doing than a lot of other people. It's one of the greatest coaches in college basketball history is Roy Williams talking about another one of the greatest college coaches uh, ever in Bob Knight. And Roy, very gracious with his time here on this Friday morning. Last one for me, Coach. Um, obviously some epic matchups. Maybe some matchups Indiana fans would like to forget in the 90s between you guys in Indiana. Some tournament games, but also you guys started a four-game series, right, with IU there mm-hmm. in the 90s. I, I don't know, maybe the IU-Kentucky drama right now of like, when are they going to play each other? Where are they going to play it? Maybe that kind of brings us more into light. But I'm curious how that started between you guys and Indiana. It was really easy. He called me and said, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I said, okay. And so we had one game in Kansas City, one game in Indianapolis, one game in Bloomington and one game at Lawrence. And uh, uh, we were fair fortunate. We won three of those four games. And that's what I started to say. I mean, our we did okay uh, my teams against Coach Knight's teams. And, you know, his detractors would always have some negative things to say. But even when – I'll give you one of the funniest one, and I'll shut up and let you guys go on to somebody that's a heck of a lot better than me. So no, no, we you keep the, going. We win the game in Lawrence on the last second shot. And Coach Knight and I t- had talked, and he was thinking about uh, changing shoes because he didn't like either the shoes or the relationship or something. I, have, it's, I can't remember if he even told me it wasn't my business, but he said, what do you think about what you have? And so uh, I said, yeah, Coach, I really like these. And I can't even remember what it was at that time, whether I was still with Converse or I'd just gone with Nike. And I said, why don't I get you a pair and let you look at them? I said, I'll send them down to your locker room. He said, well, send them size 14, I think, because that was Pat's size. And I said, okay. So after the game, and I mean, we win the game on the last second shot. My son is like uh, 13, 14 years old. And so he's standing back in the locker room, and I yelled at him to come down there. And I said, take these down and stand outside the locker room and give these to Coach Knight. And he said, <laughs> give these to Coach Knight? <laughs> and I said, yeah, just Smart tell kid. him who you are. He said, Dad, you you, Dad, you think he's he, – I said, son, he'll be all right with you. I mean, he's mad just like I'd be mad after a game, but just go down there. And so Scott uh, – and it was Scott and I laugh about this to this day – because he said he's walking down. He says, why does my daddy want me to go down there and get killed? It's <laughs> <laughs> a great story. He goes down there, and he's standing outside the locker room. He's got this box of shoes. And uh, so Coach Knight comes out, and Scott steps in and said, I'm so wizard at my dad's real coach. Well, he told me to bring you these shoes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Coach Knight told me, he said he'd never heard a young kid talk so fast and try to shove the shoes in his hand and get out of there. <laughs> and so Coach Knight put his arm around and said, son, thank you. He's all said, you tell your dad, I'll talk to him later, but thank you. And he said, I'm not going to bite your head off. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But Scott came running back up there, and I said, how's it going? He said, 
dead. I was scared to death. I said, what was he? he said, that's Bobby Knight. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bobby Knight after a loss, uh, after after a close loss, not just Bobby yeah, Knight. That's uh, a loss, a last second shot. So. <clears throat> but no, nothing but great memories. And even when he would do things that uh, later on, he might even not think he had done the right thing himself. As far as I was concerned, Bob Knight uh, was one of our greats. Uh, Dean Smith was my mentor, but if I, I was going to pick a second one that I copied things from, I'm not intelligent enough to be an innovator. Coach Smith was very innovative. Coach Knight was innovative, and Roy Williams was a copier. But those are the two guys that I copied more than all the rest of the people put together. And like I say, guys, I, I'll miss him, but I'll think great thoughts about the fun times we've had together. And even when he's sitting behind me with his knees in my back cussing me, <laughs> even when he's banging on my door trying to break the door down and everything else, and even when he's yelling at my wife, where are my effing brownies? I'm, still going, to, I'm going to remember great things about him and be, um, admire very much what he did. So I appreciate you uh, allowing me to visit with him about a second. Coach, we appreciate the time this morning. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, great stories. Uh, I hope your health is well. Hope to see you at a bunch of North Carolina games this year. Thank you and take care. Thanks, appreciate Coach. It. All right. You guys have a great day. Thank you very much. That is the legend, Roy Williams. Andy, I could have listened to him tell us those stories till the sun goes down tonight, to be totally honest with you. I did not want that one to end, and I don't say that very often. Yeah, it's just, I t- I'm telling you, there's just something romantic about the old guard in college basketball, talking hoops, a simpler time, KB, a and, simpler time. And Yeah, I mean, to me, it's that. It's the competitor, you know? I mean, Roy Williams said it right there. Kansas, I mean, Roy Williams had Bob Knight's number on the floor, and yet, he yep. shared so much with Roy and I don't know, a little bit under his wing and the variety of stories. Um, you know, the, it's the ultimate compliment that I think Matt Painter shared earlier in the week. He made us better was what Matt Painter said about Bob Knight in relation to the Purdue program. And what does Roy Williams say? I copied him. You know, I, I wanted my program to be run and on the floor, off the floor, like Bob Knight did. So if you miss any of that, uh, it'll be up on the podcast. Uh, outstanding stuff from Roy Williams. Uh, maybe one day, you know, my, Micah Shrewsbury and John Shire will have uh, stories. I was trying to think it's of two- Music to my ears right there. As long as he doesn't leave Notre Dame. <laughs> right. Well, of course, he'll be now, a lifer. Before we give out our Colts-Panthers picks to end the show, yes. are we all in on the over of Iowa Northwestern of, uh, of, of 30 and a half? Remember, this is the lowest over-under we've seen, <laughs> I believe, in major college football history. Are we all in on this, the game in Wrigley, or are we going the under? No, I'll go the under. Yeah, I'll oh, take the under. Yeah, I can't, I can't take it over. I've seen too much crap Big Ten games. 30 and a half, folks. 30 and a half. It's risen from 29 and a half oh, from man. earlier in the week. That's great. Uh, I will go over on that. Mark Dykton, the line is now shifted down to two and a half. Not sure if that's due to the Colts injury report. Possibly. It's a bit lengthy. The Colts still favored, though, by two and a half. Colts and Panthers, 405 on Sunday. I've written this in the win-loss uh, article I did ahead of the season. I said, uh, heading into this game, the Colts will be on a three-game losing streak. I say it goes to a four-game losing streak. Mm. I'm going to stand with my prediction in wow. the early season. Panthers win 20-17. to 17, Frank Reich revenge game income. 
Andy Sweeney, you've kind of been hinting that you might be following suit yeah, there, are I, you? I, I'm taking Carolina 21-20. There's not one betting like there's not one betting trend that says Carolina, even though there is value with them catching points at home. I just I mean, we have talked about how bad or how average the teams are that the Colts have faced, and then those teams have played well against the Colts. Josh Downs showing up on the injury uh, report, Zaire Franklin showing up on the injury report. There could be even more shuffling on that offensive line. I always would feel better if we did this later in the day so I knew exactly right, what right, practice right. looked like on Friday. I'm going to go a close one, 21-20 Carolina. Boy, I'm going to go 27-19 Colts. I'm a little surprised that I'm on an island here. The injury report has given me a little bit of pause, but... I- I would like to hope that a pissed-off team right. will go down there and I Gus know. Bradley kind of look in the mirror moment of, we can't let that rookie quarterback just sit here and see simple. We've got to do some things to dictate to him. Maybe I'm holding my breath with that one. I'd like to see Kenny Moore on Adam Thielen a lot in this game Agreed. with your cornerback problem. But again, we'll see how all that plays out. you got to get some turnovers. Out. Got to. Mark Dykton, outstanding all week long. Thank you for everything you did. Thank you to everybody tuning in. Have a great weekend.